right, everybody. What's up? It's Kyle. It's KZ. Welcome to the uh, Veteran Chat Project. Uh, it's Friday night. It's uh, Friday night turd talks. We got uh, my buddy here, Justin Barton, on on the podcast here with us. Justin, what's up? What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show, man. We're glad to have you. We uh, we're trying to go live tonight, but we had some technical difficulties. Uh, we'll just post this full video. It'll be a live, uncut video later. So, so what's up, man? Uh, you guys know each other from prior. I've never met Justin. I might have met him at your house. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. It might have been uh, like that one time. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, man. Introduce yourself. Uh, let us know. You know how you know KZ and, and <clears throat> just a little quick brief chat of why you were super pumped up to get on the show and tell your tell your story, man. Yeah. No. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks again for. Uh having me on the show and this is not this is not going to make any sense at all but i have to do it right now shout out to swords and scissors boom that's my crew at work and we were talking about the podcast today it's all good (laughs) i told them that i was like this is gonna go down it's gonna happen um yeah no uh you want the long version or short version oh you can do the short version and then we'll uh we'll kind of pick into it a little later let let bout and ask some questions and you know all right First yeah, name, so... last name, social, credit card numbers, all right, that right. stuff. Right, right. Here's my dog. <laughs> That's like, I, what's that one meme you always see, like the C-130? It's like everybody, every civilian with their social security card and, or their social security number, and it's like they're all have it like behind a lockbox, and it's like the United States military, and it's like a C-130, and all the pamphlets are flying out like, with, that, with my social security number. <laughs> like, ah. It's everywhere. <laughs> no, my name is Justin Barton, um, U.S. Army veteran, tank commander uh 13 years four months 10 days just got out in 2019 yeah. uh yeah right thank you, thank you <laughs> that's what the ddt14 said I, I, that's how i've always said it since i was like oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um i met casey at fort riley when we were in big red one 118 infantry um casey and i served there what we were like there three years together yeah was it yeah three years yeah yeah and we went to south africa together kenya well, no, you were in Kenya. You were up in yeah. Djibouti, right? Yeah. So we went to Africa in general. And then, uh, I'm a, yeah. I'm a child, dude. I still can't hear Djibouti. And not Djibouti. Like people. <laughs> Djibouti. <laughs> I bet. That's some good chow hall food, dude. <laughs> I bet, man. And that subway got so much business out of me. <laughs> Meatball sub every day. Go. <laughs> yeah, no. So I met Casey. Oh. We served together over there. Um, I think our friendship really bonded, and this is going to sound funny, but our friendship really bonded over in Africa in Djibouti, and it was actually through CrossFit. Believe it or not, my fat ass used to do that, and uh, and we was like really like we would go every day. We got into it. We got the shorts. We got the cool shoes. We got everything, and the we were shorts. watching the video, all motivated. That CrossFit does this for me. We do that like on a daily. Remember that? Oh yeah, dude. We drank. Yeah, we drank the Kool Aid, man. We did the Kool Aid. We did the secret dance. We did everything. (laughs) We had the secret club. (laughs) But yeah, no, that's how we became. We don't like you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for true CrossFit. Don't talk about CrossFit. Right. (laughs) Actually, talk about it as much as you can. (laughs) Just like being vegan. Oh yeah. Yeah. I used to, yeah, but uh, no, so we did that, and then 
we came back to the States and we became pretty good friends, obviously. Um, his wife and my wife were friends. Our kids would hang out when they were just little babies um, before they started, you know, talking back and going to school and all kinds of stuff when they were just in diapers. So, and we've stayed close over the years. Um, and yeah, and then one day he's, you know, we always, we always have uh, conversations all the time. We're always picking each other's brain. You know, what are you doing to get better today or blah, 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 blah. And, you know, or what have you been doing lately? You know, what's your game like? And, uh, you know, here recently we've been kind of doing it more often. And then he just out of nowhere is like, yo, dude, I started a podcast. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, let's go. And he said, he's like, yeah, we needed somebody to come on. I was like, literally, I talk for a living, dude. That's my job. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah. I'm just posting up uh, on the Facebook group that uh, due to my technical difficulties, <laughs> a.k.a. producer error, um, we're not going live tonight, but they will have a video before I go to sleep. Awesome. <laughs> So what's up, man? KZ, how's your week, dude? What's you, what's new over there in South Carolina? I know we did a little episode the other night that will be out tomorrow. So you guys are going to get a double dose of us this weekend. Uh, nothing much, man. Um, just uh, finishing the finishing the work week. That's all. Finishing the work week and oh. prepping to travel some more next week. Nice. Yeah, I just got done with travel. Not a... Uh, I used to be a, I used to be a big fan of travel. Not not anymore. I'm I'm ready to. I think I'm just getting old. I'm I'm ready to not travel. At least drive. I'm ready. Right. And if the, I'm ready to not drive. I, I don't mind flying. Right. Airport's my oh, favorite. Oh, for place. sure. Same. The, 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 you sit me down at a bar at an Apple. No. All right. Here, I'm, again, shout out the Chili's in the Chicago O'Hara Airport <laughs> is my favorite <laughs> restaurant on the planet. <laughs> You sit at that bar and talk to as many people as you want to. If you're a people watcher, if you're a people talker, go to that specific Chili's and hang out. <laughs> I almost missed my wedding because of that Chili's. <laughs> Barton, I didn't mean to like uh, didn't mean to like gloss over your little intro there. Um, so, so what? Um, damn, what you said? Fourteen years. Thirteen years, four months, ten days. Thirteen years, four months, ten days. What was the, um, so why did you decide to get out? So a little bit about, I could talk, you know, cause it's kind of like a long story. You know, you were there for some of it, but, uh, I don't know if, if I start from the beginning about myself and what well, yeah, we'll I've do done, that. Yeah, how do we do that? Like, so like, uh, so you gave us like a short, 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 like, uh, you know, how you, like how we knew each other, yeah. like what, I'll, um, uh, where you like? Where where are you from? Let, let let's start let's start at the beginning there. Like, are you in okay. Ohio? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, can't tell. <laughs> I stole that rub, one from trying to rub my color, man. Wait, <laughs> well, are you, you still what? I gotta go. <laughs> no, so I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I wasn't born here. I was born actually. My dad was an Air Force vet, and we lived out in California. So I was actually my birth certificate says. LA County, I think, Lancaster, California, something like that. Uh, but nine months later, I moved to Cincinnati because oh. uh, my dad got a gig. Yeah, my dad got a gig with General Electric, also known as GE Aircraft Engines, and the rest is history. He became a boss in in that realm, and uh, we uh, benefited from his hard work. But I moved around a bunch when I was a kid uh, because of his job. So 
kindergarten to fourth grade, Cincinnati, Ohio, and then <clears throat> fifth fifth grade to halfway through sixth grade was Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, I lived there when Air Canada and GE did a thing, I guess. And then uh, right down to Melbourne, Florida, from the other half of sixth grade all the way through eighth grade. Finished elementary school there, and I was in yeah I was in Melbourne, Florida down there doing that, which was awesome because. You could like watch the space shuttle launch from your backyard. And oh, that's stuff. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then uh, Disney World's not really that big of a deal anymore. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> and then so then I ended up moving back to Cincinnati right before high school, and I went to my traditional Catholic family. So I went to an all guys Catholic school. Yeah. Some people know it. It's a pretty uh, popular around hey, here. Guys. It's called Cincinnati Moore. I don't mean to interrupt you, Roa, but I think I just figured out a way to go live. So I'm going to go live and then screen share from my computer and just put us up like that. So hopefully that works. That'd be cool. If, you want me to keep so talking? Just, yeah, yeah just keep talking. Yeah, keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Sorry, yeah. listeners. but <laughs> No, you're good. So I, I went to, like I said, All Guys High School, which is different in and of itself. But it's going to make sense when I start talking about stuff down in the future. So I went to All Guys High School. I said it like four times. Then when I graduated... Mm-hmm. Or during high school, 9 11. What's the school's happened. name again? Uh, Cincinnati Moeller, Archbishop Moeller High School. It's a big deal around here. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I went from that. Well, 9 11 happened while I was in high school, which was a huge trigger. I was yeah. a freshman when 9 11 happened. And another thing about 9 11 was my dad was actually in D.C. on 9 11 uh, for business and work. And so he didn't know, like, I remember, like, I didn't even think about it when the, when the Pentagon got hit, but I remember, uh, like my, Mr. Jameson or coach Jameson, he was the information systems or it teacher. And he comes running in and he's like, Barton, your dad's okay. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> like I didn't think, yeah. I didn't think about it. Like, yeah, cause I was crazy. just, I was taking all of it in. And I was like, oh, and I and my dad actually, because they shut down all the flights that day, my dad actually jumped himself inside of a yellow Ford Escape, if I'm not mistaken, and drove from D.C. all the way to Cincinnati so he can get to us as soon as after that happened. Um, so from that moment is when I think that it, the first instillment of wanting to serve, I think that hit right then and there, especially since there was like a small, like, did you just try to take my dad? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was... I didn't think about that part portion until like later on. I was like, "Oh wow, maybe that was also like a trigger." But um, I gave it the old college try anyway. Went to Bowling Green State University, go Falcons, uh, <laughs> for like a year. <laughs> Played rugby, had some good times, made some good friendships and memories. But uh, ultimately, while I was there, I did ROTC for a semester, and it was like this—it's like basic training, but on like slow mo. Yeah. Like, you're, like, taking, like, three weeks to learn the rank structure. And I'm like, bro, that's the first two days of basic training. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. So I, I ended up leaving college after my freshman year and decided to join the military. But I still was, like, not 100% convinced. So, actually, this is funny. I don't know if you know this, Casey. Maybe you do. I think I've told you before. But I actually joined the United States Army Reserves first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before going – yeah, before going to active duty. So when I joined, my recruiter was Staff Sergeant Corn, spelled like the band. And he was 82nd Airborne Paratrooper. With the backwards R. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no, no. That would have been weird. 
Seamstress, all jacked awesome. up. Like, no, I uh, fucking, I want his name patch. Dude, he was, he was, and it's, he's exactly the way that you would picture him too. You guys, jump boots, guys, red oh. beret or maroon beret, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? But all 82nd all the time. That's all he talked about. Try to get me to go special forces. Like, no, like he, 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 he talked to me about it. He's like going down the list and then he's like, yeah, if you fail any of these classes as you do them, then you just revert back to whatever you trained for, which was like an 11 Bravo. And then the second school was infant or was airborne school. And my ass is terrified of heights. So I was like, right, I'm failing like week three, you know, like it ain't nothing happening. So I did not pick 18 X-ray. Um, or whatever that, you know, that package was. No, but, uh, so I joined that and I was actually signed up originally to be a combat engineer and out of Fort Thomas, Kentucky and a little reserve station across the river. And, uh, I did a summer in Fort Leonard Wood for basic training. And then it was like the split option because I was supposed to go back to college. And then I came back and my parents were like, oh, motherfucker, you ain't going back to Bowling Green. You were crazy up there. So I was like, okay. And I ended up like at Cincinnati State for a semester right here in town and um while i was there i was actually dating a girl at the time and then she completely like blew me off for like two weeks straight and i made a stupid emotional decision like i can't do this anymore i gotta go and find myself Ah!" and i told i called up sergeant corn i was like man how can i go active duty and he's like well since you don't have an mos qualification technically yet because i never did ait uh he was like, you could just join right now and we'll just send you to whatever job training you want. So I went in there and I was like looking at the videos for the jobs and stuff. Cause it's different. Cause when you're reserves, it's whatever's local. Like you only get like two, three jobs to pick from, maybe even one. But then when you have act, when you go active duty, it was like, all right, well, this is what you really yeah. want to qualify for. And I think the number one job that I qualified for was like a air traffic controller. And then I remember Sergeant Corn saying, telling me, he's like, you know, that got like the number one suicide rate in the, in the in the world like civilian oh, job yeah, and army job I was like, jobs out there right so i was like hard pass you know i'm you know already leaving town i don't want to make it any more stressful than it already is and so they then you know he shows me the calf scout video and it's like the dude's like measuring whatever stuff and it just was not appealing i was like i i just did what was it like he was shooting i don't know what it's called i was doing yeah. you know what i'm talking about where they put the scale out there and then they measure whatever but um i just got done doing a semester of construction management and i couldn't figure that shit out to save my life so when they showed that video i was like next (laughs) if that thing didn't show up i might have been a scout i'm not even gonna lie (laughs) but then the next video was 19 kilo and so i picked that that was the summer i joined the reserves april 26 2006 i went active duty in january february of 07 and then I went to Fort Knox, and I said, I'm an insert, dog. And they were like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I already done this shit. And um, so I get I get there, and uh, I'm like, yeah, I heard I, got, I already did basic training, so I don't have to do it again. And they're like, what phase are you in? I'm like, they're like, we're in week four, dude. We just started white phase. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it, damn it. So I, I basically did basic training twice, and it was like, like I finally, we got the AIT. I was like, finally, I did it. I'm not just a basic bitch. <laughs> so uh, we get. I did. I did AIT. Met some good dudes. And then, do you remember like when you go through, when you go through all that stuff, like when you're joining, they're like, "What's the top three places that you want to go?" And I'm like, Hawaii, Alaska, and Germany. And you pick all the ones that 
tankers like don't go to or like they don't ever go to again. And they're like, and cool, they man. So, uh, yeah, right. No, I got <laughs> fucking Korea. Oh, <laughs> so my first duty station was Camp Casey, uh, South Korea with uh, first tank. I was in 172 armor. That's a little. I, I, I asked for Korea and I didn't get it. Yeah, because yeah. I remember like when I was in uh, when I was in basic training, they uh, uh, that was the one thing that they told me uh, in OSET was like, if you want to learn how to be a tanker, go to Korea. Cause you, cause you, you'll do nothing yeah. but tank. And I was like, bet this job is awesome. Let me, let me go to Korea. And I, and I was like, they were like, I was yeah. like, first choice, Korea, second choice. I was like, and I was, I had no idea. So I was asking battle buddies like, Hey, what are, what other duty stations are out here? <laughs> like put Hawaii. Yeah. It's Fort like, Riley, Hawaii. Cool. Okay. Bet <laughs> Hawaii. Put something, you know, like put Georgia. Schofield's <laughs> my place. Yeah. But they don't like all the cool places. They don't tell you like, hey, yeah, go to Fort Stewart, be in Georgia. It's gonna be great. Well, <laughs> Third ID. Oh no! <laughs> I heard this. I'm, I never was a part of Third ID, oh, but I got attached. Shit. Yeah, I got Ladies attached to Third gentlemen. ID. Yes, sir. Sorry for being a little late. You'll be able to catch up with the rest of us uh, here, but we got about 20 minutes in, and uh, we are live officially. Are we live? Oh yeah. <laughs> on Facebook, yeah. So. Uh, don't worry, we won't have to backtrack on anything. We'll, we'll be able to touch a bit, you know. We, you know, we'll be able to put the video up unless you want to. You want to touch back? We got all night, dude. I got nowhere to go. Um, I did figure out how to at least get us live. Uh, we have one share, one share, baby. Let's yeah, let's, let's go. go. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I was just able to just screen share it through like the same same thing i was doing on the app there screen sharing it through there so i mean it's kind of wonder if i go here and then make this x that out i have to i'm trying to share it right now get rid of that so that way we get a little more screen how do i wonder if i can make it what gang gang (laughs) well you're our one viewer thank you for tuning in, Justin Barton. <laughs> yeah. You're appreciated. That's what I'm here for, moral support. <laughs> well, shit, everybody. Um, even though you're not here yet, we're going to keep talking like you are. Uh, we we got a quick little um, introduction to our first guest here on Turret Talks. Uh, basically, we designed this little segment to be kind of a, a thing for, you know, you guys to kind of get a chance to get on, tell your story, tell your... Uh, your triumphs, your tribulations. Um, KZ and Justin served together in what Big Red One, first ID out of Fort Riley, Kansas, a while back. So that's where they met. This is my first time meeting him officially. He's a pretty pretty cool dude so far, except for the Reds, Cincinnati Reds thing. But we won't go into that. They're all right. They're all right. Division rivals. That's all right. But. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, let's just get right back into it, like we never, like we never stopped, man. We're uh, we're back live. Sorry it took us so long, but uh, that's my fault. There is still a producer job open if anybody wants it. Though. There you go. Now yeah, we're now we're recruiting. That's, yeah, <laughs> we need help, so, uh, baby. Yeah. So but, Justin uh, was talking about uh, you were talking about your. So you okay? So let me backtrack here. So uh, just a quick, real quick, like five minute, like. So born uh, born in you're born in California, dude. Dad's dad's an Air Force vet, uh, badass. Uh, I've met him personally once or twice before. Anyway, um, Air Force vet, um, born in born in California, moved to Cincinnati. I grew up there. 
went to Archbishop Muller High School. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. name <laughs> dropped. <laughs> and notes. then, uh, let's see, uh, joined the reserves and then, uh, eventually, uh, found out that. It's like, it was like six months yeah, later. Six months later, when active duty decided, uh, that he wanted to be a tanker because that's the perfect fit for someone that's six foot tall, over 200 pounds. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's not. How's your sciatic? I just got too, man. I just was I doing good. <laughs> I was at uh I was just at the VA case uh, the case manager and I, he's like he's like yeah clearly you know but, uh, was it service related I'm like thank you I really need to drive all the way up to Dayton to figure that out <laughs> right yeah, here's ten percent so you went to uh, went to Fort Knox Kentucky home or the or used to be home a uh, home of where we uh, used to train as tankers and I was it and then um. Your first duty station is, is where we're catching back up. First duty station for uh, Barton was in Korea. Camp Casey, South cool. Korea, first time. How was Korea? In one word, if, if one word, you, cool. other than cool, if you could describe Korea in one word, how would you describe it? Data dump. Or I guess knowledgeable. I guess knowledgeable. <laughs> Data dump. Data so dump. What, what I, I like it. Because, I mean, that's what we were talking about with Dawson, you know, tanking God. Oh, like, yeah. he, turned, he learned a lot. They trained a lot. They trained hard out there. Mm. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was a pretty cool experience. I enjoyed it, and the reason I say knowledgeable is my one word is just because, like you were saying before, uh, just like if you want to learn how to tank, yeah. you go to Korea. And so, like, I didn't pick it when Drill Sergeant when Drill Sergeant Woolaver was like, "Yo, dog, you're going to Korea." I was like, "The what? That's a fucking thing!" <laughs> like, I didn't even realize that that was a duty station. I was like, "Who the fuck, fuck's going on in Korea?" And <laughs> like, I didn't do any research. So, uh, like, I get there and it's M1A1s. Ooh. So I just trained on the M1A1 and M1A2. But like, it's like now you're gonna go learn how to bore sight this way with like an analog, and you're gonna do it the ANCD and all that stuff. But what was and so I just learned there, but what really hooked me up, I'm about to name drop all kinds of people on this thing, but what really hooked it up was uh, my first tank commander, which was Staff Sergeant Rob Luna mm. at the time. Um, big Luna. Dude, you think you thought I was a big dude for a tanker? This motherfucker a goddamn giant. You know what I mean? He's huge. And that dude stayed in the gym. Stayed in the gym. His swole, like, I, 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 was, afraid, I was afraid for my life. <laughs> As a brand new private going there, first duty station, like, that's your first TC, and I got fucking Mexican Hulk. You know, like, it was crazy. But, uh, no, he, he did, I'm talking, he had a really good quote that he told me, and it was, um, I don't know everything about something. I know something about everything. So it was like knowing a yeah. little bit about everything that there is to talk about. And that has served me well my whole life because as a recruiter, when you talk to everybody all the time, you need to be able to easily relate to like almost anything, whether it's travel, your favorite food, your hobbies, your family, like you have to relate. And so if you know a little bit about everything, like I can talk a little bit about Broadway, I could talk a little bit about monster trucks, or I could talk a little bit about baseball or freaking yeah. curling, you know, like if you notice that you can, you can at least carry on. So it was a great tactic. Uh, and I think, I mean, I took it with me forever, but he was really, I mean, he, he would teach me everything like breaking down the firing pin oh, yeah. of the tank, like taking it, it apart. And like, I'm like, I'm still paying my GI bill. I just got in the army and I'm learning this stuff. You know what I mean? And so that was pretty cool. Um, Korea was also a place where I learned about how the rest of the world kind of already is like, because it was a yeah. melting pot of people and it was my first, I mean, I've been overseas before I went to Italy, like in high school with some buddies. 
But, uh, I mean, it's different. You know what I mean? You go, you're on EF tours seeing all the fancy stuff. Now I'm talking like go down a back alley in Yongsong and see what you freaking discover about people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was just, it was crazy. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, after that, I did a year there. And then I was supposed to actually, I was supposed to go to Riley. I was supposed to get orders to go to Riley in 2000 and, so when I leave in 2007, came back 2008, and I was, it was yeah. summer 2008, and I was supposed to go to Riley, but then that was when the old Ironsides moved from Germany to Bliss, and the big troop migration had, it was like 25,000 soldiers or something like that. And I lied. Uh, We're not live anymore. Your wife, I think, commented, said she couldn't hear YouTube, oh. so I don't know how to share your voice on it, so I just turned it off. But good, okay. just keep going. Okay. Never happened. Uh, yeah, Jenna did say that. She texted that. No, um, so... I don't need sorry, ADHD is no, kicking uh, in. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. 25,000, true migration. Yeah, so then I got so I got orders redirected to Fort Bliss. And I was like, again, another place I didn't know that existed. So I was like, Fort Bliss? Like, <laughs> what the hell is Fort Bliss? You know, like, and they're like, El Paso. And I'm like, okay. And I've never been in the desert before. So I'm flying. I spent a month in Cincinnati. I'm flying to Fort Bliss, and I'm, like, looking out the window, and I'm talking scorched earth, like it's just red sand. And I'm like, what <laughs> happened? Like, this is my first time ever seeing something not green. You know what I mean? So it was it was really strange. And I go down there, and, like, I remember walking out of the El Paso airport, and I was like, tumbleweed went across the street. I was like, oh, shit, they really do exist. You know, <laughs> like, it, that was pretty wild. But Fort Bliss is, I would say, with Fort Bliss, that was a place where yeah. I learned how to be a leader. Um, because Fort Bliss is where I became a sergeant. I was with 136 Infantry, uh, the Spartans when I first got there. I went to Iraq, Missoula, Iraq with them in 2009 to 2010. Then Ooh, I you must have been there right after we left. Yeah, me and Casey figured yeah. that out because I we were no, go ahead. Yeah, that? no, we figured that out. I think it was one time when we were on guard duty in Africa, we figured that I was like, wait a minute, did I ever leave you? Yeah. <laughs> But it was wild because uh, we got there and we were there for, I think that was 2010 was the year that Obama came out and said that he wanted to all combat troops out of Iraq by, so like August or September 2010. Huh. Holy shit, last day of August, I was on a plane getting the hell out of there. So what well, was going to be like 12 or 15 months I ended up being only like 10 or 11 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember, we, I remember like the guy was like, we're going home early. I was like, <laughs> no shit. Like... Damn, hell yeah. And I was home for That's my birthday, cool. which was cool. Um, Then when I got, but I got, or, no, this is also, Jack, this is the army in a nutshell. Just like waving some something in your face and then, ah, gotcha. But um, I got orders while I was over there in Iraq. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm changing duty stations again. This is great. Where are we going? Like, are you going to second brigade? Like, where? Like, down the street. <laughs> so I went from first brigade, old Ironsides, to one six which is the regulars, and we did the NIE, network integration. So yeah. I had like a break from deploying, but it was all the training stuff. So everything the Army was buying, I got to go out to White Sands and just break it and tell them it was, if it was worth it or not. And But we were in the field like all the time. But that's where I met my really good friend, Kyle Braun, and Kyle's actually another name drop. Boom, Sergeant. Um, he was the first, he was a part of that first Sullivan oh, Cup yeah. crew. That's yeah, he was a ass. driver. But, yeah, I still talk to him. Me and him, we play video games. We've been playing video games for 10-plus years now. 
But, uh, yeah, I met him there, and then I met some really other really good leaders. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. But, uh, like, Sar Kishba, Sar hey, Dilling. Hey, I hey to Sar- back up real quick. Um, uh, so you're – so you went to Mosul from what, 2009, 2010 or 2000? 2009, um, 2010. How, how was that experience for you? Iraq was, uh, it was weird. Like, I don't know how else to explain it because you're still yourself and you're still like personality and everything yeah. like that when you go over there and you don't really, re- you don't really realize what it's like when you change, like how you change as yeah. a human being or a person until you get oh, back sure. until you get back and then you real and then you start to like be around everyone else and everyone else is looking at you like you got three eyeballs <laughs> yeah. and shit oh, and you like and then all when you get back dude right and it's and i don't know that i think that really that specific experience really started my i think it really started like a whole new path for me really to find how my future and who i was as a person as i got older because from that experience, there's a lot that happened that I had to learn from and I had to adapt. And I feel that for one way, shape or another, where there's a goal here or a person or a reason to keep going, I think that this is where it started. This is where, this is the place where certain things happened. And I, I would say that my experience with combat and war and all that stuff is a little bit different than, well, maybe it's not different. Maybe that's why we're having this podcast. We can, yeah. we can talk about it, but um most people you hear about, like, they got hurt or they watched their buddies get hurt or anything like that. And mine was more like watching civilians get hurt. Like, watching civilians get hurt or, like, you just seeing how, I don't know, I don't know uh, a better way to describe it, but to see, like, everything that we have in the United States or everything that, you know, people in Korea had at that time or just pick a place that has, like, you know, a stable government or whatever yeah. is not at war. You know, and you see how good they have it, the rights they have it, you know. They take care of their shit. And then you go over there and you see like kids getting killed. You know, fucking bastard fucking puts mm-hmm. an ID in the ground. Doesn't fucking use it on us. But use it on a charter bus of college kids yeah. who are trying to better themselves. And then you right. see, you know, like a, a Hesco basket fucking fall off a wall and land on top of an Iraqi army soldier. Breaks his leg like mm-hmm. all over the place. And what, what do they do? You know, I don't. I still to this day don't know what they did, but I remember it was either kill him or somebody can try to get him to the hospital, but nobody can afford yeah, it. Yeah, or you just not, uh, done. Yeah. You know, I remember there was a place in. I remember it was in Missoula, and I was the bats and hides oh. guy, so I did like all the <laughs> like the please stand to the camera, bro, and give me your fingertip. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. I was that guy. So my platoon sergeant at the time, Sergeant Ellis, quality guy, quality leader. Um, he took me down. It was like a IA headquarters, and they had like a small prison yeah. underneath. I want to say it was Victory. Like Victory. Maybe it was right on Route Lexus. It's... I still remember that shit like it was yesterday. <laughs> But then, uh, so anyway, I had to go in this basement, and you got all these motherfuckers like crisscross applesauce. You can't say the other thing. You can tell I have kids. Yeah, they're you all can't crisscross say that anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
but you could, they had like their hands behind their back, their crisscross applesauce. I got pillowcases over their head, and they're all sitting in this like really dark dungeon-looking thing, and it just smells like straight piss and shit. Because you know these motherfuckers, they're yeah. not getting bathroom breaks, and they're just pissing and shitting on themselves. And then like one by one for like two hours, I had to sit there and just like, please look at the thing. And every one of these is like a bad dude. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there and you're looking at him like, motherfucker got blew up some of his weapon caches fucking bomb make yeah. whatever the hell you know what i mean i think the funniest one was my first one because this is how naive you are as a soldier when you go over there for the first you think you're a billy badass and then you fucking do some dumb shit like this but i was sitting down i think it was checkpoint four yeah it's checkpoint four and i was bass and hiding a guy and literally it was like my first dude i think it was like my first or second guy and i got my translator with me and he's yeah you know doing his job and uh I'm having like a legitimate conversation with this guy because I'm asking about his family, like so I can plug all this stuff in, you know what I mean? And then like I'm I'm probably talking to this dude for like 15, 20 minutes. He's showing me pictures of his daughters. He got like seven daughters, you know, and all this other stuff. And you know me, like I'm being like a genuine dude, like right from the get go. And then all of a sudden, this fucking IA commander guy comes over and just butt strokes this dude in the freaking jaw. And I was like, what the fuck? And, uh, like what happened, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm stunned. Like I'm like in shock mode. And then he starts like cussing them out and the translators like, yeah, they arrested this guy cause he had two grenades in his ass and they tried to get on Bob Merez. And I was <laughs> what, like, dude, oh, fuck you, dude. How much, uh, how much loot <laughs> do you think he needed to get? Dude, it was, it was those, I, don't, I forget what they were called. Yeah, dude. But it was like, <laughs> a blumpkin, a blumpkin. Oh my God. <laughs> No, uh, reverse exhale will get it up there. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, we're not going into that. That's a different different podcast for that one. How I miss those conversations too. How something so serious can be like, (laughs) how much lube? (laughs) Uh, In all seriousness, no, yeah, no, yeah, but uh, but yeah, we're. <laughs> I forget which one, what kind of grenade it was. I forget, was it called like a PKE or some shit? But it was only like, like this big, and it just had the little stick primer that came out of it, and it was like yellow, oh. almost like like a BFA to oh, be yeah. honest with you. But uh, but it, you know what I'm talking about the little itty bitty grenades, and they look like like I don't know, they're like cherry, but I don't know. But they had he apparently had two of them up his ass. I I was like, lie to me. <laughs> like, and that was the first like, wake up, motherfucker! Like this is reality. You're in fucking Iraq, and I was like, oh okay, you know. And then um, so yeah, I know it was that experience. And then I think I just took away from that seeing a lot of uh, your adrenaline level is oh, yeah. so high all the time. Whether it's like, you know, whether you're paying attention to like some shit on the side of the road that could be an IED. Like, one of the fucked up things was, like, I remember looking for, like, concrete yeah. curbs. And, like, and you look at the color of the concrete because these fuckers would dig a hole out, put a fucking 155 round in there or something, and then they'd fucking concrete that bitch all the way back up. Yeah, so you like had to overnight. try and look. Yeah, like, over, like, during nighttime when no one was. Yeah. But I remember you so had, like. Next yeah. day, you're like, dude, that looks. Like 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 there's like there's water on it or something like that. The shades off, and you just gotta pay attention. And that's why like you know as as, as cheesy as I found, if it is or if it looks suspicious, it is suspicious. It is suspicious. <laughs> right. So, but but it's fucking Missoula, Iraq. Everything's fucking. Don't be suspicious. Don't be. <laughs> everything is fucking suspicious. Yeah, but you're <laughs> supposed to make it. You're supposed to act like it's not too. That's the that's the one right. part that was really hard to kind of deal with for me. It's like yeah, dude. So you're, everything. 
you're supposed to act like it's not suspicious, but it is suspicious. But you're supposed to be like, we're here to be nice, <laughs> you know, like yeah. But also, like you're driving around and you feel like you're in fucking Grand Theft Auto because anything can happen <laughs> from anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Iraqi players. Oh yeah, they have wherever they want. Driving standards in the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. That's IPIA. why if your veteran friend or husband or whatever has road rage issues, I mean, let get them chatting about how it was driving around in Iraq. Right. In a Humvee trying to so, deal with that. So my wife's cousin Kevin, uh, he has one. Of, he probably has one of the funniest experiences. Was that is when so when I got home. And he was with, I don't know where we were. I think we were in Cincinnati. Maybe we were driving back from Toledo. I don't know. But he was driving. Jenna's in the passenger seat. And I was in the back seat. And no BS. Dude, I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was sitting in the middle of the, I was like sitting bench yeah. in the middle of the back seat with both my hands up on the seat, like just looking forward <laughs> like this between the two of them. And Kevin's like, Kevin's like, oh, dude, what you doing, man? And I was like, I don't know. Sorry. And like, just backed up and. It's hard to it was, it's hard uh, to turn that stuff off. Yeah, that man. was pretty. I think what ends up happening, and this is it just is. my theory, but I'm just a tank commander, <laughs> tank turret plug nowadays. Um, but I think what ends up happening is you go over there, and your your adrenaline level, or your personality, or your reaction to contact, or whatever you want to call it, but especially your adrenaline level, acclimates to the yeah. the environment that you're in. So when you immediately go over there, your adrenaline's like, woof. Like, do you remember that first time you went outside? First time you did, like, a patrol? First time you drove around? Oh, you looked at every single... Check. Right? You looked at every single fucking window, rooftop, <laughs> like doorway, was... car. You looked at every fucking dude's hands. You're like, ah, ah, ah. you're having a Two panic. Like, later, I'm going to get fucking murdered right now. <laughs> Wake me up when we get there. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. And then... Um, yeah, no, it was just, it was like, you have that paranoia, but then it becomes a norm. It becomes like normal. So when you come home, you're, it's like, I don't know, you come home and you're like on a whole other level. Like you're like yeah. miles ahead of everybody else. I don't know, you compare it to being like, you compare it to alcohol, whatever. You're on a different level and it's not a good one. It's like, it's like taking epinephrine or whatever that thing was from Crank. That movie with, remember yeah, that? Was, yeah, and it was I just like, to watch it on <gasps> and you and you just have to like, you have to try to adjust to it. And like people at work where I work at now, they everyone kind of makes fun of it. Like, man, Justin doesn't know how to sit still. And it's like, no, I stand up all day. Like the fact that I have one of those Vera desks is a miracle, you know. But uh, yeah, no, I just can't stop moving. But it's just, you have to adjust to it. And you have to acclimate to it because as much as you can ask your friends and family to. Hey, please understand. Me, you know, they only can meet you like a quarter or half the way. They can't turn it off in your head. They can't. They can just like literally outside of just being there and being an ear and and understanding and not making that that big of a deal. There's not a whole lot of people can do about it. You got to do. Oh 99% yeah, and I think of the I mean, that's yourself. a great point too. I think that's something like um, a lot of our listeners are just veterans out there that can take away from that specific thing you just said. Like, um, you know, it's mostly most of it has you're gonna have to do a lot of the work because you know your friends and family can only go so far because they're not going to understand it they're not going to understand what you went through so i'm glad you said that yeah and and, you know it doesn't always have to be like combat like i wasn't in like 
firefights or anything like that. I didn't pull some 2003, I'm taking whatever, yeah. Baghdad, Fallujah, Sauter City. Like, I, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was training the Iraqi army, and sometimes we'd have extra mission here or there. You know, we did fucking training. But, like, just when every time that we go, like, the first time that I saw anything, and, and the first time wasn't even that big of a deal, but was when... uh what was it? We were driving to, we were on route Nissan right by, I think they called it yeah. the Saddam neighborhood, to be honest with you. I remember that briefly, but I'm not, it's like, I mean, I think it's crazy, but that was 2010 when I left there. It's 2023. And I remember this shit oh, and yeah. these names like it was yesterday. I remember route, um, route but we, we were, we were, we were coming back. Yeah. I never hit yeah, we, Tampa. We did, did you do Tampa? Barracuda almost every, every day. Every nice. it was a four day road. I was so I was okay. I was north of that. So I was like checkpoint four IMN, the Iraqi Media Network, yeah. the big antenna tower. Uh I I lived there for forever and then I was checkpoint four was like the main supply route that went from Syria to, into Missoula. And then like I'm I we fucked around with the Peshmerga from the Kurd the Kurds or whatever. So we did that, but uh yeah, no, it was it's up to everybody to come home and then you don't have to do it right away. But once you start seeing the signs and I don't give a shit, it, like you said on your previous um, intro episode, I don't oh, give yeah. a shit if you were a cook. I don't give a shit if you were a mechanic. I don't give a shit if you were like, so you know what the number one job that I would hate what? to have over there? Ooh, dude, no, never. <laughs> Fuck that. Or the fuel guy, yeah. or the petroleum specialist, because now right, you just show strap up in the, the bomb to your ass. No, with zero armor, and then it's like the floor. There's nothing on the floor. You're like you guys, how how far do you guys drive? Like, shut the fuck up, dude. It's yeah, like, I, I talk about Iraq. I, I, I talk about Iraq sometimes. Like it was hard. You, you just made me think about this. Like it was hard, and it was hard. It was hard for everybody in their own right. But those initial invasion motherfuckers, dude. Those are some OG dudes. Fucking taking a 240 and ratchet strapping it to the top of a soft skin pickup Humvee. God, hey, let's go take back. <laughs> yeah. God damn. You right. know, <laughs> you know yeah, like you hear about you, know. you hear about those like OG guys like was it Sar first class Paul Smith first guy to get a uh, Medal of Honor oh, yeah. during OIF. Yeah, dude, dude, literally like when they we were trying to take the I think it was the story goes like you're trying to take the Baghdad airport and then whoever you know. Bad guy A was there, a bunch of them, and so we had to displace. But he laid down cover fire with a 50 cal while the rest of the, the art of the army displaced over there, got to a better vantage point, was able to take it. And that dude died during that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, those are the OG motherfuckers. And, like, I I respect it. And I obviously, like, I think you guys were talking about it the other day, too. Like, you're special forces, whether you're a ranger. You know, like, it's cool when you meet those dudes, like, and when we get to Africa, I'll tell that funny story, Casey. But, uh, but yeah, like, those guys, even though they're doing uh, some pretty hardcore shit, like, everybody has their own oh yeah response, physical response, mental response, emotional response, spiritual response, uh, you know, and you just, everyone's got their own battle, and it's going to be different for everybody. And, and the crazy part is, and I know this is why you called me, but... And I'm I'm way going down the rabbit hole here, but um, you feel like coming home and trying to get over like a deployment or Iraq or a traumatic event. You feel like once you conquer that, you're like, oh, cool. 
Like I got it. I got control of my mental health. Sweet. Dude. Now you have to now you have to separate from the United States <laughs> oh, yeah. Army or United States military. Now guess what you gotta and do all over you, again. And that's when you realize that you actually at that point that you thought you had your mental control under control in real life <laughs> is actually when yeah. you lost control. Because yeah. the army had that control. Yeah, that, that safety you know net. I mean? And, now, that, and that now when you structure. get out, like, there is no nothing. Like, you can't look at somebody as a manager of a kitchen and be like, why the fuck isn't this done? And then they're like, uh, and you're like, ah, sorry, mm-hmm. I'm used to being able to talk to people like that. And then, I, and, you know, I, I, I slip like, up all the time. What the fuck? Oh, sorry. I'll be bad. Bad. Like, and, I'm, and I'll do it to my wife sometimes. And then I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I, you know, if she is, if she, if you are listening to this, I am terribly sorry. Like, tell you all the time it's not uh it's not purpose it's just at this point it's so much habit and which it's weird to say because i haven't been on the rv since 2012 you, you know what i think so, uh like I, I i never had that problem not to boast not to like you know but i but you know but you know but you know why i think i never had that problem is because uh like i i got out of the army and i went straight like not straight but like i got i did odd jobs here and there like banking stuff but then I decided to go to nursing school, and I was I was uh, not like ninety nine percent. I was surrounded by women, and I was like, I gotta wa- I gotta watch what I, I say. I think, and I was like, I think in in the in the long run, I think it helped me, like not you know shark fin people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I mentioned that before while we were talking while we were talking in the beginning. And why I made it a, a point to mention yeah. I went to an all guys high school. So literally from the moment that I started high school to 2019, so 2002 to 2019, minus the one year of college, which I can't talk about because it was a really good time. <laughs> um, I worked with nothing but dudes from 2002 to 2019 or went to work. I either went to work went to school or was in the army and it was cause, cause tankering at the time was only a single sex. Holy crap. I, I forgot all about it. the, uh, the change. Yeah, that happened. That, that, that change happened when I was a recruiter, but we'll, we'll talk about that. I want to yeah. get some women tankers. Hey, to d- hey do you remember the, you yeah, remember dude, the lady, yeah. let's talk, let's hey, get some lady tankers like, on this like thing. The first cadets yeah. Fort Riley in like shadow. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Well, like one of the I first so, female cadets who wanted to become a tanker came and like came and like did her. I don't know what you call that phase of being a cadet before you commission. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like the yeah. But she came in like quote unquote interned at uh call at me Charlie cadet Company. like no call me and, like, you better her, salute yeah. me you better Dang. suck my asshole. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, she did. One of the first female tankers that was, or the cadets that wanted to become a tanker, she came in and shadowed like Charlie Company for a week. We had to like move the wall lockers because everyone was getting naked, you know, in the bay. Dicks <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. Dicks everywhere. Yeah, but. Uh, so that was like a, that's a weird factor when yeah. you think about it when you transition out. But we'll get to that when I get there. I'm trying to zip through my career. No, you're good. So you're good. Get to the so good after, stuff. Uh, let's see. So you you went from Fort Bliss. You de- you deployed. You came back, and then you uh, PCS from Fort Bliss to Fort Bliss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had this dude named Sergeant Rivera, 
who I was like, fuck, man, it's just down the street. And he was like, he's like, yeah, dude, but you still taking your 30 days of PCS leave? And I'm yeah. like, really? <laughs> and he's like, hell yeah. And dude, I sat at my house and bliss for like 30 days and did nothing but drink and play Call of Duty. <laughs> and, and then I showed up and then I showed up at 1-6 and like PT test. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> how long were you? And how so long that was like, station huh? how long were you at Fort Bliss for after that? So I, so I left Fort Bliss in 2000. So I got, that was 2010 to 2013 or 2000. End of two thousand. Okay. End of two thousand and twelve, because I PCS in December, like literally the week before Christmas or something like that, and uh, PCS to Fort Riley, and was in one eighteen mm-hmm. with you, Big Red One, Fort Riley, Kansas, and then we went across the the pond and went to visited the wonderful dark continent mm-hmm. of Africa, and uh, yeah, Djibouti, Kenya. I think we landed in Ghana at one point. Yeah. In South Africa. Saw a little bit of everything. Got a truck stuck. And then I discovered cross. Hey, who was who was in charge of that? What what kind of base was Djibouti? Was it a naval base? So the army protected it, but the navy ran right, it. So it was a place called no, Camp well, Simba. Oh, so it was like same thing with Djibouti though. So it was a naval ran base in Djibouti. Hey, let's uh, yeah. let's give let's give yeah. a round of applause for um, for um, the Navy's defect because that stuff was so good, so good, <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. I I, oh, yeah. I remember there when I came. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when late. we. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. Delayed clapping is a golf clap. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, yeah, definitely coming from Kenya and then coming back up to Djibouti. I was like, what have you been missing out here, dude? Like, I'm out and I'm roughing it down in Kenya and I come up to Djibouti and uh, Casey's like, what are you going to have on the oh, menu? Yeah, I, yeah so, so Kyle, <laughs> menu. You before, so, like, when we, we deployed to, we all, we all deployed to Africa or the Horn of Africa and the company got split in, like, two, like, two platoons here, two platoons there. Two platoons got to stay in Djibouti, Africa, with the rest of the Navy and the Marine Corps, and then like two platoons got to go to <laughs> got to go to Kenya, in in the place called Camp Simba, in BFE Africa, and like they they they, they had nothing. Yeah, dude, <laughs> they had nothing. So like when they wanted to go, like if they had to go home on leave, or if they had to go home, like they had to come to where we were, and then like fly off because we had everything. So. Yeah, literally the entire purpose of being in Kenya was to protect this runway. Um, and the runway, basically, you had a bunch of civilian contractors there. But Africa, is where I, where Africa was the first time when I actually saw, like, the cool shit that the army does. Oh, yeah. Or the military does. Like, I saw some of, like, the... Like, I always thought it was, like... I, I Let me back up. It was really strange because I never really thought of what I did as something that was basic. Oh, yeah. I'm a fucking tanker. Like, this is cool as shit. Yeah, I'm saying like that's not that hard. I mean, once you figure it out, I mean, it's not, not it's not difficult. Like I'm not jumping out of an airplane or helicopter. I'm not killing Osama bin Laden over here, but it's a pretty fucking cool job. But then when you like that first time that you see the dude walk off the Osprey and he looks like he's from freaking what's that? Uh, call like Call of Duty or what's that other Battlefield or some other shit? You're just like, 
I got my onesie pajamas that I wear on the tank. <laughs> Still got those, too. Yeah, that's in a footlocker around here somewhere. But no, Africa was cool. Like, and when we were in Kenya, you see like civilian contractors and drones would like be fully loaded. They leave, come back empty and shit. And then uh, I just figured it was Somalia or something. Um, or just support, contact support. Um, the runway, I mean, it was cool, but it was like, it was a different experience in Kenya because it wasn't like. I think there was a bat. There was like a, a terrorist group there called Al Shabaab. They didn't really fuck with us though. Um, but it was the animals. Like the, the number one rule of the military: don't fuck with the wildlife. <laughs> it's like, what if the wildlife yeah. fucks with you? You don't have like dude? baboons everywhere. Shoot. And I'm saying like, they had baboons. There's a story that they told us some stupid ass <laughs> marine freaking try to put. They try to put a marine T-shirt on a baboon and like take a team <laughs> photo like. Probably, yeah. Well, the thing like <laughs> ripped his shirt off and broke his arms. <laughs> yeah, Rafiki wasn't feeling it, man. Yeah, dude, but uh, Andre's like, no, thank you. No, and uh, but it was like that. Like I remember we went to a hippo pond one day, and I was like, dude, we're like a mile and a half away. They're like, yeah, for a reason. And I was like, why? Like that's the number yeah, one killer they kill, they in Africa. And I was like, bust with teeth. Yeah, it's on my TikTok now. All it is is hippos eating lions and shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? But, um, yeah, no, that was pretty wild. The lions were really wild because it would be cool because you'd see, like, the water buffalo or the um, springbuck or impalas. They would, like, walk on the runway, and we'd have to, like, clear them off. But you got to think of them like, like a school of fish. Where they go, guess what follows? Oh, really? Oh, fucking lions. Yeah, so we'd be sitting there in the truck. Me and I remember it was me and Sar, or me and well, he's now he's Sarn first class Nelson. Shout out, name drop. Um, he was like a specialist. He was like a specialist at the time, I believe. And we were sitting there one night, and I went to go take a piss. It was like two o'clock in the morning on the tree line, and you always got to be like the light right here because there's bushes, and then you got the other part of Africa that sucks. You got the green mama, the black mama, the boom slang, the puff adder, the red spitting cobra, like. Some slither little thing out there is just destined to kill your ass, and all you're trying to do is drain the lizard. But you go out there and you're trying to do your thing, right? And all of a sudden you hear Nelson behind me. He's like, "Sambar, Sambar!" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Get the fuck in the truck, let's go!" Like he's screaming at me, and I'm just like, "Yo, dude, like I'm trying to take a piss here. Why are you yelling at me, Nelson?" Chill the fuck out. Right. So then I go back to the truck. I'm like, "Dude, what the fuck, man?" And he turns the headlights on. It's fucking like seven female lions just creeping through the grass trying to get my big ass. And I'm like. They're like, hey, dog. Yeah, I'm about to I got your, that. I got your shift tomorrow, dude. Don't worry about guard duty tomorrow. You yeah, take it, fuck, you dude. take a day. Put your shower shoes on. Go do your feet. I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> you take a day. Like I'm never going to the fucking zoo ever. I don't want to see a lion ever again. Yeah, so that's 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 a definition of some, or that's an example of something that you take away from it when you when you like go. It's a different experience than like PTSD, but. Like I go to the zoo now with my kids, and I'm they're like, "Oh, Dad, look, it's a it's a lion." I'm like, "Fuck that lion," you yeah, know, like not God. because I don't like him because what happened, but it's like the, this is a domesticated, this is a house lion. Okay, yeah. I saw the wild lions. There's a significant difference in size. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's getting grade A African beef. This dude's getting all day long, kitty litter or kitty kibble, kibble or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, cat chow. Yeah, mystery meat. Well, I came home from Africa. Wow. We were in Riley, and one of the things that happened when we were in Africa uh, is they wanted to send me to this E6 board, and I was like, 
totally against re-enlisting. I had First Sergeant Fletcher, Fletch Dog. He was, like, trying to convince me, like, dude, like, just go to the board. You're in Africa. The platoon sergeants and me are the ones that are running the board. You're going to make staff sergeant. And I was too much of an idiot, and I was like, no, I'm good. And uh, I came back, and I started looking at options of what I would do when I got out, and I was like, fuck. You know, I didn't know what to do. I had I was married. I had one son and another one. Um, eventually, I would have had another one coming up. But basically, between that, trying to figure out what I was going to do, between that and Sarn Wood giving me the greatest pep talk of all time about how he needed the a quality tank commander because he just made the E7 list at the time. Remember that, Casey? When we were in Africa, he made E7. And then he gave me this whole spiel. He's like, I need you to be my red too. And I was like, bet. And he totally puffed up my ego and I was like, let's go. And then I re-enlisted <laughs> and the, I re-enlisted and the, made the E6. I made E6. The day that I made staff sergeant was the day I got orders for recruiting. <laughs> so I got recruiting orders and was like, oh. what the f-? Right? I had been a tank commander for a while at that time, but I didn't have my 18 months of TC time yet, and I was like, I need that shit, you know? So some stuff happened. I got delayed, and the date got delayed, and da-da-da-da-da. But then there was – I'm not going to name drop him because that dude will come back to bite me probably. There was a certain battalion sergeant major at the time or brigade sergeant major at the time, I should say. Really tall, was an artillery dude, nothing, you know, not that I don't like <laughs> you or anything. Um, sorry. He was, um, we had orders to go to Kuwait. No, he I didn't go to Kuwait. Did by then. I was out by then. Yeah. So I had orders to go to recruiting school, and you know you're not supposed to cancel orders regardless of whatever. So we're going to Kuwait, and... Like, it's, like, a couple days before everybody leaves. Like, everybody already got – they already drew their uniforms. They're, like, all the new OCP Coyote shit. Like, I'm still rocking the digital ACUs and stuff. Like, I'm out, dude. I'm, I'm going to recruiting school. Like, I'm going to get all that stuff when I get there. So, all of a sudden, one day, my uh, platoon sergeant pulls me aside and goes, Hey, man, I hate to do this to you, but you're going to Kuwait on Sunday. And I was like, it's like Tuesday. I'm like, the day before that they told me that, I found out that Jenna Holy was pregnant with Travis. Cow, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, I had to the come home the next meaning. day. Right. Just mm, <laughs> no lube. <laughs> lube on that, man. Shit. You got a better chance with the Haji sticking grenades up your ass than fucking right. the green meanie. I, I did that already. <laughs> But it was wild because I had to come home and tell her that, and it was just really depressing. And we had already struggled. Like, Riley was good. My unit was good. The people were good. But, like, adjusting as a new father, deploying, adjusting. There was another traumatic event. I had my, my one of my really good friends um, in the Army, Staff Sergeant C.J. Martin, killed himself, like, two months into me getting to Riley. And that, yeah. so I was dealing with that at the same time. So Riley was just not a good feel of it was not a good fit for me uh based all the stuff and the events that were happening in my life at that time so um like jenna and i were struggling because we were adjusting to being parents and i was adjusting to being a you know i i'd been an e5 for a while but i just got to this new unit and literally knew nobody 
Um, I think Wood is the only one that I knew because of ALC, advanced, you know, advanced leaders course and shit down at Benny. He was one of my instructors. But, um, yeah, no, it was just a really, really hard time. And then uh, I got the orders for Kuwait and it was like, it kept getting delayed and getting delayed and getting delayed. And I actually left for Kuwait. And Kuwait's obviously not bad at all. It's not hard. It's just annoying, more annoying than anything. But uh, you go over there and I'm like, so when am I coming back for school? They're like, mm. So I had like no end date. Like I knew that I was either going to be there a uh, year and come home with everybody else. Or it's like, hey, dude, I'm supposed to be at recruiting school in January. And uh, it's fucking December and I'm still here. Like, what's up? So I ended up spending like four or five months, maybe maybe less, in uh, Kuwait, just for shits and giggles, looking like a like a like the most basic dude ever, because everyone's OCP, got all the new stuff, but I ain't getting nothing, so I got all my ACU stuff still. So I looked, I was, you have this whole like OD green, like fam, like group of people, and then my dumb ass looking like Lincoln Logs or whatever, you know. Hey, how was like that? Lego, um, digital and shit. If you could, um... but. I know there's no comparison because the two places are completely different. But as far as like the emotions are concerned, like how would you compare Mosul, like your deployment to, or the mindset? How would you compare the mindset to like deploying to Mosul and then deploying to Iraq or Kuwait? And if, and like for, like if, if, for yourself and for the men. If I, oh, for that. So I was young. When I went to Iraq, I was yeah. 21, 22 years old, something like that, when I went to Iraq. When I went to Kuwait, I was in my like early 30s. So by the time that that happened, oh, okay. I didn't care. I, like By the time I got, I mean, I knew it was Kuwait. And I remember them saying like there was a car bomb that happened <laughs> one time. And I was like, whatever. Like, it is, you just stopped caring. I remember the last time I got pissed off was Africa and we had a platoon sergeant there. Remember it was like our last day and I just didn't like it. I know, I, I know some people thought I was like all about the rules and stuff like that, but he was, it was like the last day on guard duty. And then the next day we were packing up our duffel bags and stuff like that to go back home or whatever. And I remember that he had us pack our duffel bags the night prior with our, I like our IOTVs, like IBAs, whatever, our, our, our vests and, he, and plates and everything all went in those duffel bags. And we showed up to guard duty and just the, the, yeah, regular uniform you remember that like the last day and then we had been there in Djibouti I had been there for a couple months already and uh the whole time we were there peaceful as shit check the fucking trucks when they come onto the into the runway blah 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 blah. blah. that night I'm sitting there like, I don't like this I don't, I don't like it you know like you keep like we're, we're being I know it sounds cheesy and I know I sound like a suck up but we're being complacent well boom there was a car bomb on the opposite side of Camp Lemonnier that night and i do you remember that casey because i got pissed as shit and i threw i was throwing shit and i was, I was telling a guy who's who outranked me I was like, you're a dumb piece of shit and uh because at that point it could have been it could have been anything like worst case scenario you know we become in danger and we have nothing besides you know the wall that we're hiding behind or at the same and we have none of the gear no like nothing we have like barely any ammo like whatever and then uh it's either that or you know, I don't know. It just, it irritated me because, like, even if it's something as small as the post commander fucking swings by and realizes that we're out of uniform, then we're all fucked, we're not going home, and people getting written up, and it's like, Jesus Christ, like, why do dumb shit if you yeah. know that dumb shit's going to come out as an outcome? But, yeah. But, was there uh, anybody... No, it came on. It... Was there anybody freaked out to go to Kuwait? 
Oh, that's good. That's good. No. We had no. someone, remember, we had someone freak Did out we? in Kuwait. I freaked out when we landed. I, when I landed in Iraq for the first time, that's when I freaked out. Because I remember wanting to, like, combat roll at the back of the sea, like, the back of the airplane, like, yeah! Like, thinking that was, like, storming the beaches. Like, I'm ready to and go! It's like, you get off the plane, and there's, like, a little shop at PX there, like, oh, man. Like, I didn't, you want to stop get any McDonald's dip. before we go? Right. Like, yeah, I guess. We'll take a McDouble. Yeah, and then it's the same concept, like, that first time that it's, like, mortars, ah, and the fucking mortar siren goes off, and everyone's, like, freaking out. Yeah, Ten months into that shit, thing goes off, it's, like, God damn it, where's my shoes at? Yeah, I remember <laughs> like, that, dude. I was, uh, I caught up with our unit when I first met Bouton, like, he was already deployed, and then I had gotten off of basic training, like, recently after, and, uh, so we show, I show up to Missoula, and then the first time I heard the things, I'm, like... I'm like, where do we go? What do we do? Like, and everyone had already gotten past that, so I was like, you know, oh, like we're not supposed to be worried about it. And they're just like, basically, yeah. like if they come for you, dude, you can't do much about it. You know, yeah, that's your, uh, yeah, that's your, your, yeah. that's your time. It's, it's like thing. a raffle. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's not worth getting out of bed for. Like, not really, dude. What's it really gonna do? You get smoked on the way. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> still no, go because you gotta check in. But yeah. And then that's the shit, dude. It's like people are like, why can't you sleep? Like, I don't know. Now, now I'm kind of like, look, we haven't gotten bombed in a while. When's it coming? <laughs> right. You start like being like, man, something's off. Like it doesn't. It doesn't... Yeah. Like we haven't gotten. It hasn't been loud in a while outside. Right. But so Africa was Africa was different. Kuwait was different. Like, cause Kuwait was like we were guarding uh, like the NATO ammo deep. Like I think it was like the NATO ammo supply depot or something like that. I just remember, like, there was, it was like a, it looked like a chemical plant, but there was like, you had to wear the, this, like, pro mask, like, thing. And I was like, why are we doing that? And they, like, pointed to this, like, tower and all this smoke's coming out of it. It's, like, all funky yellow color. Like, that's cyanide. Right. And, like, you get 10% disability just for being here. And it's like, right. cool. Or something like, like hell that. Yeah, dude. Someone write that down for me. <laughs> yeah. Can I get that on, in writing? Yeah, no shit. Well, you just need to. In case you're wondering how you would prove something like that, you would just need to, uh, well, not you, but listeners, you know, like you just need to, like a, like a commander or someone else to, to write you a buddy letter saying that, that, yeah. that you guys, you know, that happened basically. Yeah. So that's just, or wild. I think, I think, I think I could be wrong here, but from when I, uh, when I got out and we'll talk about this again more later, but when I got out, it was more, um, depending on where you were like if you were automatically in a location that automatically triggered the va to like oh he gets disability for this because he was yeah. there and this place sucks you know yeah but yeah i know so kuwait kuwait i was there for a couple months this is jacked with what i'm about to tell you um because at this point i'm sitting here thinking like the army is always like you can ask casey the army i was always a guy who was like i was always the guy that was like super motivated for no reason like I don't want to sound cheesy, but, like, the whole embrace the suck factor, like, it's going to suck, but there's nothing that I can do about it to prevent it from sucking less, so I'm just going to yeah. own that shit, and that's where I, like, you know, a lot of people, like, whether it's Dabrinsky or Braun or Bouton or any of these guys, like, they just remember me waking up in the morning, like, yeah, buddy, like, just pumped up. I got that from my old drill sergeant's, uh, drill sergeant Reese, that dude was the shit but uh he's yeah buddy you, 
Right. You like, know, you got to do it. Like fake it till you make it, and you just go. There's no reason to slow down or stop or pout or do any of that bullshit. Like, just go forward, move, go. And uh, I was opposite. I, I like to talk shit about pretty much everything. It doesn't really fit very well. <laughs> yeah, I definitely dumb. drank the Kool-Aid. Like <laughs> I beer like, bonged the, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I heard shut the fuck up, Turner, more times in my life in that four years than I didn't. And I will ever hear again, I guarantee it. There you go. Yeah, I definitely like, chugged Roger. the army Kool-Aid uh, because I was like pumped up all the time for no goddamn, still am for no goddamn reason. Um, it's like, it's an infectious thing I've been told where I'm just like, ah! <laughs> all the time and it just won't go away. Like the older I get, it just gets worse or I just stop giving a shit so I, it, it just gets better. I don't know. <laughs> you just but, stop worrying um, about what everybody else thinks about it. Right. Just like, yeah, yeah I'm just, me. I'm my buddy not, not be me. My buddy Sean told me the other day, he's like, you're just unapologetically yourself. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is like, infectious. Yeah, dude, let's go. But, um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like to think so. Yeah. Like, uh, um, how many, like, dude, how many, uh, how many soldiers have you had that have gone down, like, different paths that have just gone on to be successful? There's a, like, I, I could name, I, like, I could name two off the top of my head just because, um. One I work with, uh, um, is it, wait, is it my, is it my turn to name drop? Ardonia's like, yeah. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Alejandro. Alejandro! Fast track. <laughs> and like, and like, you know, like he He's was, you know, now. he was under your belt in, in Africa. And like, from like, I remember you like coaching him just, you know, like you got this, like he went soldier of the month board. Like he, I mean, what he he did so many Soldier of the Month boards. By the time he got to his promotion board, it was like, "Hey, what's up? Oh, you, you're good. Bye." You know. <laughs> and then, like, you yeah, know, and then exactly he's, he's fast tracked so much. It's like, I I can't, you know, like your infectious your infectious leadership is like, um, dude, uh, I was lucky I was lucky to be a part of it for for three years, and I, I'm 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 thankful. Like, the army lost something the day you. The, the day you got out for sure, because um, if you look, I mean, you, you look back at your resume now, it. everything you've done, like you've done some great things, but like, um, I hope you're proud of the fact that like, you look back at your resume and you looked at how many lives you touched, uh, like how many men have like gone on to become successful. Like you, you, you named a couple of them already, like um, um, Nelson. I mean, he's, what is he now? Like he's a, he's a senior NCO now or don't, so the funny, funny story about Nelson is uh, he's actually in Poland right now, and my company, I let um, one of my really good friends at work, Kim, swords and scissors. <laughs> she yeah, uh, she's she's like employee engagement, and I told her about him, and he because he he reached out to me, and he's like, hey dude, what was that thing you did in Africa where we got all those care packages? And I was like, I'll do you one better. I'll get my company that I work out now. We'll just do yeah. a big collection. And then we'll send you some stuff. So I'm, we're actually doing that project right now where we have all of my coworkers in Cincinnati, in the Cincinnati office are doing thank you cards. And then they do, we're going to start collecting like the yeah. basics, like your toiletries, beef jerky, gum, get a little stuffed teddy bear, put a little bit of mini whiskey bottle in there. For That's Nelson. cool, dude. Like, yeah, you got Nelson, <laughs> Ordonez, uh, your buddy Kyle, like, like he went on and like he went on and won the self. He won, right? His crew won. Top top tank in the U.S. Army, like, yeah. won the Sullivan Cup. Yeah. Like, dude, that's those are great. Like, infectious is 
I wish there was a better word for it, but infectious is a good word to describe how you were in the army. I got to give, I can't take credit for Kyle Brown. That dude is a self-made man. Like I was there and we talked, we hung out, we were good buddies, but Kyle did that shit on Kyle. It's Kyle's time. Kyle's energy. Yeah. He's a smart dude. Um, yeah, no, I, I loved, I loved being a leader, but it was, uh, I loved, I loved all of that portion of it. And, but it was around that time when I was like a staff sergeant, and I was like bouncing back from Kuwait or whatever to go to recruiting school. It's when I started to think about it. I was like, so this is technically like I'm in this realm where this is the mid portion of my career. I'm going to knock out recruiting, hopefully knock it out of the park. And if I do, all signs point to I should be making E7. I make some first class. And uh, then I realized after that, because it was something that Sarn Wood had said, had said something to me. Where he's like, I want to be a first sergeant to all that shit, like because at that point it's not about tanking anymore, dude. You're beans and bullets in a one one three, fucking with the combo guy. <laughs> like, who the fuck wants to do that? You know what I mean? Like, you're not training soldiers anymore. You're just there managing like the company as a whole, making sure the, the Excel spreadsheet chart everybody's green, nobody's red on the thing. Like, what is, oh what is that? Med pro, you're red on med pros, bro. <laughs> Remember all the all the. We spent all them time making them little, uh, little magnets. Oh the yeah, magnets and the tracker boards and all. <laughs> Where that is shit. who? Oh my yeah. god! Why would I want to? Why would I want to do god. all that? You know, like I think it would it be cool to be a first sergeant? Yeah, you know, do I think I would have made it? Absolutely. I think I would have made it all the way to sergeant major to be honest with you, because I had enough time in to to knock that out. But I just there was not a whole lot of desire there, and honestly, my my my. Uh, experience going from Fort Riley to recruiting and getting thrown, and I'm about to tell you the hard part about it. You know, getting sent to fucking Kuwait. You know, the you know basically a few days after I found out my wife was pregnant with my second son, and then to have all that come back and be like, this is what happened. So I come back five months later. I go to I go to recruiting school, right? And like first day, first question, they're like, hey, has anybody been out of the country, like on like work? Like us, like the army, the army puts you somewhere in the world. Has anyone been outside the country in the last 90 days? And like, I just got off the plane from Kuwait on Friday and oh. it's fucking Monday morning. You know, they're like, right. So the guy, the lady, there's a sergeant or whatever is like, anyone here been out? And like two of us raised their hand. The other guy was like in, he had come home from Korea or something like that, like two months before. And she's like, where were you at? So I was like, I was only in Kuwait. They're like, when'd you get back? I'm like, Friday. <laughs> and literally, I slept there that night. Day two, they're like, hey man, you gotta go. Like you have to be, what? you have to be stateside for 90 days. And through through all of your transition shit that you you SRP and whatnot, you gotta knock all that shit out before you can come to school. And I was like, fuck. Man, I was so I, I to get back, dude. Like <laughs> I was trying. So this is what's fucked up. So then I get in. Uh, I get in, the, you know, I go to the airport at Louisville Airport. I got fucking sloshed. I was pissed. I wasn't in uniform or anything like that, but I was like, I got sloshed. <laughs> hate, I hate drinking. Yeah, just straight up Kentucky bourbon in the Louisville airport. And I got, mm-hmm. I flew back all the way back to Manhattan, Kansas. And, uh, you know, I, I got on base, went to, went to Jenna, to, you know, fell asleep that night, woke up the next day. Walchonsky was the rear DEXO at the time, one of the best lieutenants I've ever had. Uh, I think he's out now. 
I think he works for Oshkosh, to be honest with you. But uh, I could be completely wrong. I'm thinking of somebody else. But anyway, um, I'll have to check LinkedIn. But, um, yeah, I, he came up to me that first day and looked right at me. And he was like, please sit down, man. Sarm First Class White? Yeah. I don't know. I think that was his name. But he was a rear D, he was a rear D major. And he's sitting right here and skis right here. And I'm just like, what's going on, sir? And he's like, so I just got off the phone with Sergeant Major. Again, I'm not going to say any names. Look, just Google it or whatever during the dates and times. But um, <laughs> Sergeant Major basically said, fuck that. He can go when he comes back. Send him back to Kuwait. And this is like January 2016. January 2016. And I'm just like, Sir, it'll have to be you, Sergeant over there, and a bunch of other dudes to get me on that fucking airplane. That was the first time I ever, like, like, this is why I was saying I was, like, a goody two-shoe. Like, I had never gotten in trouble. I never Must got nice. Article 15. Like, I never did none of that shit. <laughs> I was always, like, <laughs> I didn't either until I got the one. I can't I be trusted because I didn't get an Article 15. I got but, the, uh, uh, I got the, I got an Article 15 like a month like a month after I got my first like <laughs> Army Good Conduct Medal. You know, nice, like, what is it, like three or four years of you know <laughs> back exemplary to back service. To back. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Also, fucking <laughs> see you later, you shitbag. Like, right, that's yeah. <laughs> so that was the first time I really told somebody that was of a higher rank than me, like, go fuck yourself. Um, there was one other time, but we won't talk about that yet. Yeah, it felt fantastic. But ski, it wasn't really, it really wasn't like at ski or anything like that, or the XO, or the rear D commander. It was more or less like against the Sergeant Major. I was just like, who the fuck are you, guy? Like, you're throwing me around like a $2 hooker. Like, this is not okay. Like, and, like figure it out. So that was when uh, the platoon star or the rear D Sergeant Major at the time, he looked at me and he's like, I ain't going to tell you because last time I did this, it like turned around and bit me in the ass. But there's this place down the street that uh, you can report this kind of stuff to <laughs> and just... they'll investigate it. Yeah. What was that? What was, what was it? IG. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think it was, yeah, IG. So, yeah. dude, like, I look like a lost puppy dog. I walked into IG like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And they're like, all right, sorry, tell us your bullshit. And I was like a staff sergeant at the time. So I was like, hopefully they oh, like well. take it. So I told him the whole story from top to bottom. I was like, dude, I did this PT test. I was good to go. I did this. I was good to go. But then this got delayed. And every single time this person's trying to grade me and all these people are getting their schools canceled. I've, re I've had to extend my contract and I've had to change the date and time yeah. of my recruiting school like three or three or four times. You know what I mean? And it was ridiculous. And I was like, there's no way I'm not fucking doing this anymore. So they actually did an investigation and like, this Sergeant Major actually, I guess, like, pulled a hundred-something soldiers' freaking orders, whether it was for ALC, BLC, fucking recruiting school, drill sergeant school, you name it, you weren't going. And um, come to find – I mean, I don't know 100% what this is. This is just what everyone said. The private news network was that uh, the reason for it being like that was because one of his bullet points he had to achieve during his time as Sergeant Major – and their time as commander over in Kuwait, oh, you know, yeah. that's big times for OER bullets and NCOER bullets. But they had to maintain like a 80 something percent boots on ground, like of the whole company. And to do that, they, they couldn't send Dude. people to Mission school. First. I don't know how well, much truth there is to that, but 
mission first. So anyway, like, so that happened, and I ended, and well, I ended up winning. Ig told him to fuck off and told me that I have orders to go to school, and they're from an officer from a from Tradoc. So that's how we spun that. And so instead of going back to Quaid, I ended up going to Knox and actually knocking it out, uh, recruiting school, and then I went to Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania was in yeah. Seals Grove, and I recruited out of the First Brigade. I was there for three years. Uh, I have a lot of trophies from when I was there because I did really good. Uh, and that was when I realized that recruiting, because my brother was a recruiter at the time and my dad was a sales guy. So obviously we know how to use our mouth. And uh, mm. and so the success from, yeah, right? Oh, girl. <laughs> Strong tongue you got there, boy. <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> So this is what I'm talking about. It just flips just like that. No, I love it. Uh, bad, bad use of words. No, uh, fuck. What was I going to say? Um, Pennsylvania. I don't know. So I was good at recruiting and I loved it. So I decided, I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, uh, use this to transition out. Or I started getting that idea. Like I, I, I looked at my brother, my brother was doing really good for himself. He was in healthcare recruiting. Uh, so he's like all the traveling nurses and shit like that. Like he was finding those people, hooking them up with jobs. Like I said before, my dad was a sales guy for GE, sold aircraft engines, traveled the world. So he did that, but he also was like doing consulting for a company called LHH or Lee Hecht Harrison, which is like resume building and stuff like that. And so he was really walking me through the first couple steps when I started thinking about it. But then of course, you know, life hits me again. And it's like, sweet dude, uh, you need to re-enlist. You got seven and a half years left. And it's like, <laughs> no. And they're like, well, guess what? You just made the E7 list. First look. Boom. Like, yeah, E7 list, first look, $36,000 sign signing bonus. It's an indefinite contract. So it'd be seven and a half more years. Knock out the full 20. I get full retirement. Uh, what, what, what duty station are you sending me to? Fort Irwin, that's all we got. They're going to Poland or they're going to freaking play op four doing something like that. You'll have your own platoon, which I like, I being a platoon sergeant would have been like super cool. But it's like, if you're going to send me to Irwin, I'm going to do it in training the whole time. Like, like I'd rather take my troops to Poland or take my, my tankers. The, I don't give a fuck. Send me to Africa. I'll do a rotation through Korea. I don't care, but I would have enjoyed that kind of stuff. And, um, so I just, it took a long time, a lot of arguments, a lot of like debating to discuss what, what to do. Um, they even offered me, the Sergeant Major was like trying to get me to switch over to 7-9 Romeo permanently. And then he was going to make me a station commander and like all kinds of stuff. And it was, it was going to be cool, but I kept asking myself, I said, dude, you could either be 40 years old. Cause I would have been 40 when I retired, but you can either be 40 years old, retired as a soldier. And the only thing you got is 15 years or whatever else of tanking experience a couple years of recruiting maybe it's half and half 10 and 10 like you don't know um and you can get out of 40 with that under your belt or you can get out now go but use the same energy that you use to bust your ass in the army and get nothing for it no commission no nothing use that same level of energy apply it to the civilian world it's gonna be easier because not trying to convince an 18 year old to stop his life don't go to college come over here and join the fucking infantry like right it's yeah. not that hard you know like hey dude what do you make now i make 20 dollars an hour i'll pay you 22 all right 
thanks. You start on Monday. You know, like that's that's what we do now. Or not. I do it a lot more thorough process than that because my retention percentage needs to be there. But, um, yeah, no, it's just I was like, this this feels like it's gonna be like a cheat code. Like my my motivation and morale and the energy that I bring to the table, I feel like it's a cheat code for the civilian world. So I was like, fuck it, I'm getting out, and I'm gonna go make this happen. And better place to do it than back home in my hometown of Cincinnati. So that transition happened. I got out. And chose to get out because those three years of recruiting was the first time I had like three years of steady time at home. And it was the first time I ever got to sit down oh, and actually dude, yeah. hung out with my kids. Yeah. And it was nice. It was really nice. So that was a huge factor in it. It was the first time that like, like recruiting woke, woke me and Jen up a lot too. Because like, I remember we were sitting there one day and uh, something happened. And it, was, it wasn't like a big argument or anything like that. But I just remember her like, aren't you supposed to deploy soon? And I just was like, damn, girl. Like, like basically, like, dude, we're just not used to being with each other consistently. It's like, hey, for two weeks, gone for a month. Hey, for four months, yeah. see you in a year. Like, that's how it was. Yeah. And, and Nikki said so- Crazy. My bad. Yeah, Nikki, oh, yeah, Nikki yeah, said stuff like that before. Like, she, um. You're good. Uh, like, it's, uh, like about our marriage back when we were uh back when we were younger like it's a lot easier to miss you than live with you sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not gonna lie i will be right back so talk some yeah, yourself no worries so yeah it sucks we couldn't go live but uh i mean we still got i think a pretty solid Solid base going here for uh, Friday night turret talks. I don't really know how this is going to incorporate into what we got going because I mean, oh we yeah, we have an episode recorded, and it's like I was hoping this was going to go live, and then we could drop the episode tomorrow. But this is looking like <laughs> this is going to be the episode for tomorrow. But it's better. And we didn't get all of yeah, Dawson's that sucks, yeah. audio for some reason. We'll, uh... But yeah, I know Like uh, when he gets back, I definitely want to get into a little bit more of that transition phase before we wrap this thing up here. I know uh, it's getting late for you guys. It's late for me. Well, late for, later for you. But uh, definitely want to chat a little more about that uh, transition phase with him and, and kind of those things people you know, do when they get out of the army to, or they get out of the military and then just kind of those things they do to like bridge the gap, so to speak, or to deal with some of those things that they see yeah. or did or saw be done, you know? Uh, Cause I know for me, it's like, uh, it was a lot of like a huge mix of alcohol and, you know, partying for a while. And I thought that was like, yeah, this is great. You know, I'm not thinking about shit. I'm just going out and I'm partying and, uh, you know, and then I, I did that for a while, dude. And then all of a sudden it was like, man, like, I, like alcohol is, is really feeling this like depression fire that yeah. was brewing up this whole time I was out partying, you know? And, and all of a sudden you're like, you're like, dude, I got to make a choice, man. Like I gotta, I gotta get out of this this funk, like, you know, like, I don't know if you guys felt it, but it's like, like I was this and now, you know, like where, yeah. what am I now? Basically, what do I do now? Uh, and, Hitting the nail on the know, head, my, man. Yeah. 
and 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 it was uh you know, for me it was drinking that was what i was telling them and and for a long time it was a lot of drinking until uh you know ultimately alcohol is a depressant and i looked at a depression as a fire dude and alcohol obviously that shit's flammable so you keep it away uh i myself you know i've I got kicked out for smoking, and I'll still to this day, I'll tell you, I mean, I got my medical card here in North Dakota, so I'll smoke all day, every day, and if the job doesn't fit it, I won't go to it, you know, but that's yeah. just, I'm thankful to be in that position, but I mean, like, dude, I, I barely touch alcohol anymore, and that was, I think, a real turning point for me, because I was starting to get outside, uh, I really started to get into disc golf, frisbee golf, disc, disc oh, golf. And, uh, I mean, that really just kind of got me getting some fresh air in my body. And that was like where I first started kind of thinking about like health and like, man, I felt good after walking around in the mountains, you know, and playing yeah. disc golf. And now all of a sudden I'm like, maybe I'll go to the gym, you know, and now ultimately, I mean, I'm not as good as I should be, but I mean, definitely fitness plays a huge factor into mental health, uh, they say like a 45 minute exercise is <clears throat> basically stores up your like like if you have an energy bar like a video game right and your your mental health energy bar is like yellow oh, or yeah. red you know you go you go do a 45 minute exercise and it bloop, 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 you know and then you're good to go for a day you know and that kind of you got to refill that meter that's kind of how i've been looking at it anyway so if i go two three days without working out like dude, i gotta do something and uh it's harder that's how i feel right now up here but but yeah, man, let's. Uh, I want. I definitely want to talk with you a little bit about like kind of like that that transition, like things you yeah. found kind of that that haven't haven't worked for you since you got out. So the thing that I and I know that we mentioned this earlier, and I want to say it the same way I did before, like you come back from a deployment, traumatic things happen, IED, friend gets killed, you get hurt. You know, those are all obstacles that you have to overcome yeah. to get over those certain situations and those events specific things but what people don't realize is that when you're in the army and the longer you're in the more this applies but it's like being in a, in a in a relationship with like a girlfriend from high school because like it's all you've known since you were like 18 and then all of a sudden now you're like in your late 30s and 40s and you don't know what mm. to fucking do because now right. she's gone yeah and that's all you ever knew you know yeah, what i mean she took all your pressure with her all she took all that shit, dude. She took fifty. She took fifty percent that retirement. She took all <laughs> that. She took, <laughs> she took your favorite hoodie. She did everything. Oh, that hoodie's that hoodie's gone. Your favorite Carhartt jacket. Right, right. Your, You're gonna your get reenlistment a, you're gonna, knife. Yeah, done, done, son. That car that you went to uh, <laughs> thrifty car lot in Fort Bliss and got seventy percent interest rate. She took that shit too. Or that one uh, <laughs> right off of Fort Hood. What was it yeah, called? That's where I got uh, my truck from, dude. McLeod Auto Sales. <laughs> I got two trucks there. I got one, and I got my truck got repoed after I got out of the army because I just stopped paying. I'm like, well, I, I was cleaning swimming pools after I got out of the army and just smoking massive amounts of weed and yeah. drinking. But that's but, yeah, I'm talking about you. No, no, but uh, like getting out, and you when you separate, I heard you you touched on a little bit when I bounced back, but it's like your sense of purpose all of a sudden goes away. And your sense of structure and the safety net and real world fear of failure yeah. starts to settle in real fucking quick. And it is a huge kick to the fucking gut. 
And like I think suffocating. Like my experience with it is a little bit it's almost like it was like forced down my throat because so I did I feel like I did everything correct. So to touch on this stuff so people know, veterans know, number one, I know it sounds stupid and I know it's dumb. Do the soldier for life class. Do the soldier for life class. Do anything and everything class wise, whether it's resume building, whether it's your the Department of Labor speech the interviewing and, te- and, and and practicing how to interview, do all of that stuff because when you get into the civilian world, they don't give a fuck. If you misspell your name, if you have bad grammar on your resume, if it's not structured properly and it looks like just a template and it's like half a page, you're, I'm telling you this as a recruiter now, but all the VA benefit stuff, medical shit, don't be like, don't be a tough guy and talk, start talking about, you know, oh, my back hurts because, well, it's just part of life. It's just what it is. No, dude, your back hurts because yeah, you fucking not. walked around a motherfucking, I don't care what shit, it was extra duty. You were walking around in an IBA forever, and that's what that shit happened. You know what I mean? Or you got up wrong, or you, whatever the case may be. But you're not going to figure that out until you're 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 years old, and you're just sitting there like, you're sitting in the chair and all of a sudden it's like your back just yeah. fucking pops or, or, or it takes you 10 minutes to get out of bed every morning <clears throat> because you got to do like circular range oh, motions yeah. just to kind of like get everything working again. Right. You Whether know? it's your back or your knees. 36, like, man. I got a yeah, whole like, routine. I have to go down. I'm 37 years or 36 years old. I turned 37 in September and I have to walk down the stairs sideways because if I do it facing forward, like right underneath all my knees is just fucking, it's like someone's taking an ice pick and just, and all I can think about is like when I was a dumbass private at 19 years old, jumping, jumping off, off the, tank, the truck and jumping off the tank and fucking platoon. You hear the like, drill sergeant behind you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember my platoon sergeant, Sergeant Reese down in the motor pool in Korea. He was just like, mm. that shit. He's like, you gonna stop that? You can get old, and them knees gonna get old with you. And I'm like, okay, thanks, yeah, man. Whatever. And then like, fast forward ten years, I'm like, fucking sorry, Reese, goddamn it. <laughs> like, you know, right. he was he's 100 percent right. But uh, yeah, no, it was just wild. So just moral of the story is take advantage of every class and everything they do because it'll help you so much. And utilize the tools that the internet gives us. Build you a LinkedIn profile. If you don't know how to, find out how to. Google that shit. Go find somebody who's got one. There's a bajillion groups on there, veteran groups, broken down by location. Just search it, you know what I'm saying? And they'll be able to, hey, this is my resume. We guys proofread it. Hey, you know, do you guys have any tips for how I should build my profile for LinkedIn? I use LinkedIn Recruiter every single day, and I hire veterans like crazy. I love hiring vets, especially for my technician positions, you know. Actually, I was talking to a tanker the other day. He's getting out. And he applied to a fire alarm technician position, and I'm just like, cool, cool, dude, dude. I got you. We'll make this happen. <laughs> like, his whole resume is just 19 kilo. You know, and I, was just, I read it, and I was like, I'm calling this motherfucker right here. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm just getting ahead of the game. I'm in Georgia right now. And I was like, I'm happy to hear that, dude. When you get out, May, I'm calling you May 1st. You're coming here. We're going to do a ride-along face-to-face interview. But the fact that he was getting ahead of the game for resumes, it made me remember when I was applying for jobs and I was a recruiter and I applied for us, I think, because we were trying to figure out where we were going. And I was going to, I was thinking about Louisville and I got a job or I got a, I got a phone screen from a recruiter and she was at CentOS, I think. And, but it was going to be like for a CSR, which is the guys who drive the CentOS trucks and, 
you know, replace their rugs. And sometimes they have a fire protection division. They do like extinguishers and whatnot. But yeah, no, I was going to do that. But I was like, no, I don't get out for like four more months. So like, all right, bye. So right, like, like, it was crazy though. Like, cause you have to start feeling it out. And I, and I highly encourage people fear, uh, like go interview, go take, I took a four day weekend and interviewed at a job with an old high school buddy of mine uh, in Columbus. And then when I was making that, because I had that interview, and then I had an interview at another place in since no, in two places in Columbus, and a phone call one, like a FaceTime one with uh, a place in Louisville. And then, so I'm in Columbus, and I remember I'm there, and this is kind of a funny story. This is an example of how you can use it. So my dad is trying to coach me through getting out and what I need to do. And so he gives me this book. He mails me this book called 90 Day, your First 90 Days. And it's basically you're making your first 90-day plan of when you're starting a new job. What am I going to accomplish in my first 90 days working for your company? So I took the book, took a picture of it, put it on LinkedIn, right? Did some little BS paragraph speech about my journey moving forward and getting transitioning out and da-da-da-da-da. And no BS. I tagged my dad in it. A woman that he worked with 12 years ago at GE saw the post, calls my dad, says, is your son getting out? And he's like, yeah, why? She goes, my recruiter just put in his two weeks notice, and I love military recruiters to recruit with me or recruit for me. Like, what's he doing? Where is he going? And so when I was in Columbus, I made a, like a last-minute uh, interview in Cincinnati with with, uh, with a great company, manufacturing company down here, and I uh, came in, interviewed, and it was like, man, this is your annual salary. These are your benefits. This is everything. You're going to be the the skilled trade recruiter for this company, and uh, yeah, you're going to be responsible for all eight divisions. And I was like, yes. So I got out. I put my terminal or my yeah whatever that extra the what is it called your terminal leave. Yeah, I put my terminal leave in. It was like 70-something days. I was like, this is going to be awesome. But because I was so hype about everything, I left the Army in May. My terminal leave wasn't up until like <laughs> July, so I was double-dipping like crazy. It was great. But uh, so uh, I did that, and then I was off for five days to pack my shit and move to Holy Cincinnati. Shit, and then I started my job on Monday. Yeah, so I was technically unemployed for like five days in between. But I was still getting paid. I guess I don't. I guess that's not unemployed, but um, yeah. So I lived on my buddy Sean Sean's couch for like two and a half months that summer. But while my wife was finishing up with basic housing and all that stuff in Pennsylvania, and we were house hunting and all kinds of stuff. But uh, what was crazy was that in my first like forty-five days at this company, manufacturing company, uh, I had a, there was a senior recruiter and she was my boss and she was let go within my first 45 days of starting there and i remember watching somebody get fired for the first time and was like oh book it wasn't no you gotta go see sar major you gotta go see first sar we gotta do all this we gotta go call freaking jag and we gotta do this we gotta do all this paperwork it wasn't any of that stuff it was like there's a fucking door bye yeah zero fucks given yeah, it's I like actually a no touched fault. on something I mentioned the other day, dude. Is uh, is yeah, you will be replaced in the civilian world tomorrow Duh, if you die like, today. 
It was Not the you most specifically, but you know, you know, right? What I mean. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it was the <laughs> most unsettling feeling I've ever had in my whole life because I remember watching it and going, "Okay, well, the reason being is because I remember looking at my at the HR director at the time, her boss, who let her go, and I said, Tom, like, so what are we gonna do? Like, we're gonna go find somebody else? He's like, You're it, bud. And I was like. So I was like, the definition of fake it till you make it, dude. Like, figure that shit the fuck out. And, uh, like, don't bitch, gripe, complain, cry. Like, because you can't figure it out. Figure that shit out. Trial and error. Like, you've recruited for the Army. You recruited all those positions. You did all that stuff. What's so different between a welder, an electrician, finding those people and saying, I, you know, I used to sell the Army. Like, the Army's a great place. It's a great, you got to think about that. Well, manufacturing company A is awesome, great, blah, 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 blah. And I can do that. I can do that more than anything. I'll put my freaking mascot voice on, wear a company's name on my chest like a goddamn jersey, and I'll go make that shit happen. So it was, uh, that was crazy. But what I didn't understand, and this is the craziest thing too, is what I didn't understand is there's a combination of things happening. Number one, I'm now super stressed out because I realized that there is no safety net. There's nothing, the Army's not there to catch me. There's no, you know nothing you know what i mean i have no authoritative power because hey bro no one gives a fuck that you were a staff sergeant you know <laughs> yeah. no one gives a shit like yeah, i'm at the seven didn't even like, know what that means you know like you were in no, charge of care. staff then right like what? as a staff sergeant what were you a specialist i was a specialist what were you a specialist of yeah right and so it just uh <laughs> yeah it just was crazy because so that so then the amount of stress kicks in and, the, and this is the first time, I think it was within six months of getting out. It's the first time I started getting chest pains. I started getting, like, numbness. Like, so my whole left left side of my arm, my whole left arm went numb. I thought I was having a heart attack. I started feeling numbness on the left side of my face. And I was like, I'm about to seize the fuck out. You know, like, I thought, like, I'm have like, a I'm stroke. Like, having a stroke. <laughs> right. right. Like, and it would, but it would happen, like, all the time. Like, I would call my my sister-in-law and be like dude these are my symptoms i call my aunt who's a nurse like these are my symptoms and like eventually i remember at one time at work i just got up and i looked at my boss like tony i gotta go he's like what's up and i was like i'm going to get an ekg right now because i'm freaking the hell and the dude literally at the doctor he's like dude you're fine he's like you need to chill the fuck out and so right. that's when like i used to after iraq they had me on selexa for a little bit so he gave me like a three month like here take this chill out a little bit I hate prescription drugs. Like, ever since the army did that shit with, like, where they just, like, they didn't see if it should be mixed together. They just gave it to you. Like, here's a cocktail. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Don't oh, die. Yeah, dude. Luckily, my wife's a pharmacist. So, like, I ask her before I get any any meds from the, and I'm like, will this be fine with this? So, like, I think right yeah. now well, I'm actually on the right cocktail. <laughs> right. But, so, you know. Yeah, because I think at one point I was on Mac, I was taking Max Salt for migraines, Rimeron for. Like sleep, deep sleep. I was on a CPAP machine, then I took Selexa for antidepressant, like as an antidepressant. But it was it was like all at the same time, so I was like, and then the max I was like right. dropping acid sometimes. It was crazy. Like you just put it on your tongue and it would melt. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is how you do acid. It is. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that was wild. I have no idea, but right. <laughs> no. Uh, how I read it in the story once. Um. Sorry, Grandma. Yes, <laughs> it was it was so so the stress level was so high because I'm 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 a single income household, 
You know, my wife's a stay-at-home mom. She, we're blessed to have the ability to have her be a stay-at-home mom. She babysits, like, on the side, too, but, like, she's there for my kids. My kids have full-blown attention. Like, they have her attention so they can be taken care of with homework and studying and all this other stuff. So it's nice that we have the ability to do that. So, But in the, but to continue to live that life, I'm sitting here looking at it going, like, I got both those kids, both my sons, my wife, fucking dog, the house, mortgage, cars, like, all of that's on your shoulders. And it's not like a man versus woman thing. It's more or less like this is the role that I yeah. decided to take as the part of this relationship. And uh, so it just becomes a lot. And then when you start to uncover and realize it's not going to be as easy as you thought, like you're just like, fuck, 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 fuck. And that's when other factors from the army start to kick in. So now you have anxiety. You have PTSD. You've got anger management skills. Slight bit of alcoholism starts to creep in there too because now I have to decompress at the end of the day. And I don't know how to fucking do that except for a couple ways that the army taught me. Go lift a fucking bunch of weights. Fucking throw back fucking a case of beer, you know, or go fucking take it to the range. Yeah, I mean, those are the three ways that I was taught how to, 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 to decompress, right? So then to make matters worse, the house that we ended up buying came with a hot tub. Fantastic. But now you have Justin Barton who speak, speaks from the moment he gets to work and doesn't stop talking to the moment he gets back off of work. And then now he's just completely like burnt out. Wants to go home. You got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old or you know even younger at the time, three and a six-year-old. And they're just like, and it's like, you, not that you don't love them. It's just the fact that, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, like, I need to, like, decompress. And then I don't do myself any favors because then I drive home. And the first thing I do is call my spouse. And I'm just like, what do you need? You need me to go to the grocery store? You need me to do this? What do you need me to do? Like, I'm always, because by the, when I walk through the front door, it's like, I shut it down. Because I know that yeah. I got to bring the same I sold this idea to this company that I'm high energy all the time. In order to do that, there's certain things I have to do and just completely unplug at the end of the day. The problem with that is, is that involved alcohol and that hot tub. And so I would just sit in that hot tub and freaking just pound, you know, whether it was a beer, seltzers, whatever. And then when you start, to, like, I'm, I'm six, six foot, two and a half inches tall. I'm 265 pounds. You know, like I'm a pretty big dude. And so when you start to drink and you start to drink like the way we used to in the barracks or whatever else, you start to have a better alcohol tolerance. And so before you know it, I'm graduating from fucking White Claws to Jack Daniels, sitting on Xbox all night with my buddies because it reminds me of being there back in the day. And before you know it, you're going through a handle of Jack Daniels every two days and still getting up, throwing up, fucking whatever, getting your shit together and going back yeah, to work. Dude. And, and you wonder just, why you're fucking miserable all the mm, time. Right, yeah. and your fucking liver starts to hurt, and your kidneys start to hurt, and it's just like... And you're making a fucking ass out of yourself because it's the summertime, and you're in the fucking neighborhood, and everyone wants to fucking, hey, let's, let's day drink and have fun for Fourth of July. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you want day drink? And then you only okay, know one way to go. day drink. Dude. Yeah, you only know one way to go, and it's fucking... Taking you're drinking with a tanker now, bitch. Right, yeah. or you know, or or, or or like the classic thing that happens is you end up running into some, especially in the first couple of months, you run into somebody, and they were in the army, and all you want to do is, is like yeah, latch sure. on to them and just be like, you're my people, like you know what I mean, like you you understand me, and it's crazy because nobody's like that, or you have a couple, and there's like a dude on my street, like he's. He's super cool. He was a Marine and he was initial invasion. Like he, that stuff I was talking about in the beginning, like ratchet straps and soft skin Humvees, that was this dude. 
He's badass. And uh, he, he, he was like, he got real quiet to himself when I first got here. I don't really see him a whole lot. He works a lot, but at the same time, like, he does his own thing down the street. Like, we text each other once in a while, and it's cool. And, we, and we're on the same level. He's a super cool guy, but he keeps to himself. And that's like, now I know why. It's like, because you take that time to try and transition out and make changes. And it's not like an overnight thing. But right. some most civilians aren't equipped to freaking understand exactly what you're going through and the amount of time it takes. I thought I'd be over it in six months. That shit That's is just point. now starting. Yeah, there's no it's, time limit for um, you know somewhat bearable. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm me and like Kyle Braun years. had this. <laughs> me and Kyle Braun had this conversation not too. It was I think it was a little over a year ago, and because he got out before I did too, and so he was. When I would bitch or complain about something, he'd be like, all right, so this is what he's, he was kind of like my guidance to getting out. Like he was telling me what to expect and da, 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 da. And, um, he let me know. He's like, dude, it's like three, four years before you start getting your shit together. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, dude, because all the things we were talking about, your dependency upon the military, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, the sense of purpose. So the purpose thing was really cool. Cause the last six months have been the best six months of my civilian life you know what i mean um i switched companies in september uh the last company i was at i was a recruiter there for like two years doing all the skilled trade recruiting and i, I learned how to do corporate and like accounting and so like that and then i everybody there was like dude you should be in sales and i was like all right bet so then i went over to sales and what i thought was sales actually was like inside sales so now the guy who's up and talking to everyone all day long is now just sitting at a freaking desk, sending emails out all day, not saying a word in total silence. And uh, <laughs> I did that for a year, and I wanted to jump into busy traffic. Like, it was fucking horrible, man. Um, so I decided to go back to recruiting, and I just, through networking and stuff like that, found this other company. And they do uh, fire protection and securities for commercial businesses and stuff like that. So, like, anytime you walk into, like, a big building and there's, like, fire sprinkler systems and fire alarms or extinguishers, your security cameras, you know, key card access, all that stuff, this, you know, kitchen hood suppression systems. So, I do all the technicians and corporate for that job, and I started that about six months ago, and the purpose factor came back for me, which is why I think I started getting happy again, because at the end of the day... I'm finding the people who are installing the fire alarm pole stations at your kid's elementary school. And if you want to put that into the factor of, okay, check this out. Kitchen just caught on fire. Fire's going. Your kid goes to pull the fire station mm. and that shit doesn't go off. So in my way that I twisted it for myself is I'm finding the right people that are, that have the best head on their shoulders, experience, attitude, whatever. And they're going to make that difference in saving lives or, you know, protecting people and property. I know I know, my people at my work are going to give me shit because I sound like a spokesperson for a company. But in all reality, it's like if you think about it that way and you get pumped about it that way, like as a, from a recruiter standpoint and a uh, human being standpoint of the purpose side of it all. Like that gave me that whole purpose thing back from that I had when I was a tanker. And I knew when I was a tanker, I was protecting people, and I knew as an army recruiter, kinda, I was changing uh, lives and getting people the fuck out of central Pennsylvania. Yeah, I know. I know one thing. Uh, like, 
that purpose, you know, that purpose is a lot of the jobs I've had since I've been out has just been like a lot of, a lot of general labor jobs and stuff like that, you know, so like that purpose is, was never really there. Like my, my first job was like cleaning pools. I'm like, Oh, what's the purpose? Like, Oh, it's some rich dude needs his fucking pool clean. So here I am, you know, and like, even now, like, dude, I deliver packages for Amazon sometimes. And it's just like, dude, I like whenever I can, outside of you know being a stay-at-home dad like i'm delivering packages and it's like what the fuck for like this is stupid my only dude, purpose best, right now is being the best purpose out there dude. i absolutely love that <laughs> love it dude <clears throat> it is and, it, and and it's so i mean he was born almost two years ago so like my last two years you know like his is like his last six months it's been the happiest i mean it's been tough don't get me yeah. wrong there's been days where it's like he said like yeah i've Mm. that kind of circles but, back around know, to like uh we had one of our uh old tank or kyle's old tank commander on here the other night and he was talking when i asked him like you know like what's the one advice you give oh cool to guys transitioning out of the out of the military and he's like you know live try to live by try to live by set like you know find some purpose and try to live by a set of values if you can't find any values to look forward to um, you know, if you were in the army, you were instilled yep. by seven, seven values when you joined on day one, like live by those. So like, you know, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. they don't have to be, they For don't sure. have to be anything like crazy, just stuff that affects you. You know what I mean? Like, like get up every single day, you know, and, and yeah. do something to better yourself. I don't care what it is, whether it's education, yeah. physically, you know, something of that better every day. Yeah. And, and things, the, dude, it, it's a marathon. It ain't a sprint. Yeah, my dad says the same thing. That's like one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me was it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I keep having to remind myself because my mind runs like a mile, a million miles an hour. And so me too. if I'm if I'm not if I'm in that kind of like mode, I'm always trying to figure out like what what am I doing wrong right now? Like I need to be doing something to to be progressing. And it's like Thankfully, I have like coworkers and family members that are just like, "Woosa, <laughs> like, bring it back, bring it back down, like, let's roll it in." And so, yeah, but I, I would say that one of the other big things transitioning out is trying to, trying to adapt and become one of the people, because you come out and the military is very big about like, yeah, calling stuff like your civilian clothes and civilian life and da 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 da. And so when you get out, and maybe this is just me, but I'm going to say it anyway, but <laughs> when you get out, you feel better than everybody else. There is this egotistical fucking thing about it, and I don't know Dude, we, why. We, it's this. It's we talked about that fucking exactly. Green I, 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 I all day. Yesterday, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild because you get out and you think like, you didn't do that shit. You didn't fucking, you weren't up till fucking 4 a.m. You were fucking 72 hours, no sleep. Ah, like, and it's like, no one gives a fuck, dude. Right. Like, they don't care what you did. And at the same time, like, they had their own struggles during that time, too, you know. Right. They went, the everyone's army, got a you battle know? that you don't know shit <laughs> uh, about. You know, you hear that all the time, but it's wild because, like, some people care. I think some people genuinely care, but most yeah. of the people that genuinely care are usually, like, military buffs, and I just like hearing about that shit. But, like, it's I'll, – I'll give you an example, though, like, of, of how don't, – don't judge – what I'm just what I'm trying to say is don't judge every civilian person like you do when you first get out because 
you start to you start to change yourself back into that civilian lifestyle. You always have your military time, but it's not going to define Thank you. And I, and I and I highly recommend that you don't let it define you. You know what I mean? Like don't because because if you let it define you, dude, I'm not going to lie. You're like the That's Uncle Rico vet. of basic vets because <laughs> That's at what that a bro time vet is don't let the military define who huh? you are because that's not who you are. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're going to be Uncle Rico talking about put me in coach, like high school, peaked in high school kind of level <laughs> stuff. Like I peaked when I was a staff sergeant. Back in like, the day. Bro, you got 40, 50 more years of your life left. Let's go. Um, and that's a hard le- that's a hard pill to swallow because like it is. People, my, my friend Sarah from work, she, she always used to make fun of me all the time because I would get out of the – I got out and we were talking about stories. And literally I sounded like that girl from uh, American Pie like this one time at band camp. At so band like camp. Every, yeah. so every single time they were like – I had a story where I had to relate to it. It was like this one time like, in the Army? I thought I going to do this. Don't kick up. Like, all right. I, my bad. I'm sorry. Right. I'll it's go like, sit in the corner. So she used and to that's do this you, Honestly, dude. Some people have, uh, not to interrupt, but like that's like a feeling that you legitimately get in the in the world after the army is like, oh, now I don't fit in at all anymore. Yeah, and no like one gives you're, you're saying, not you're not you a staff find sergeant. A way to fit in, dude. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You no longer that's have crazy. leadership authority. No one understands what the fuck you're talking about. Like if I said, goddamn, uh, Bandalore, If I said smoothbore <laughs> cannon. If I said, you know, a turret talk. Like there was a turret. They all never forget. Like I was a tanker. What, like oh, that's, like that's, fuel? that's what leads. I like to be a little yeah. comical here. Like that's oh, what dude. leads to being a bro vet, because no one understands you. You want everyone to know what you did. So you're like, how do I let people yeah. know what I did? <laughs> okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go on Amazon and I'm gonna buy my fucking ERB and slap it on the back of my windshield. <laughs> bro, I got fucking cross sabers and a Persian tank <laughs> and then I'm gonna on go, a tramp stamp on the back gonna, of my RAV4 go right motherfucking now. I'm going to buy every shirt they have Toyota. so people when they see me, they're like, oh, were you in the military? Just so I can be like, yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I grew the beard. That's why I grew the beard oh, and dude, got the I new was, hair. I, yeah. I, got like, I, I got like eight or nine <laughs> grunt style shirts upstairs right now. But the beard, the beard is the thing too, apparently, because I know when I first got out and I was like, I'm going to school, and I had like yeah. my my ball cap, ball cap, and a beard is apparently like a huge, huge bro vet thing because like yeah. yo, like oh, couldn't, have, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have a beard, and then like I'm always got my hat on because you know you always had a head cover on. Hey, I gotta, and for me, I'm just like dude, my shit's thinning out. So quick question I'm wearing for a hat. both of you. Um, <laughs> makes me look a year younger. So can you? Are you? Are you, Answers Are you guys no. physically I able not to walk you and text on your on phone? Camera. No, no, yeah, I gotta I stop, dude. I gotta that's stop. One thing I had like, so sorry, major, which yell is at the me. dumbest thing in the world. I. I'll be like, I'll be like, huh? like, oh, I, I overcame that oh, pretty quickly yeah. because my that job is, is a lot of me being on the. My phone is my like organ. So like I'm walking, I'm walking and talking on the phone. I'm walking and texting. But you know the one thing I still can't do? Walk on the fucking grass. Bitch. I was just about to say it could be grass. I know it is. Anytime I see a walkway, no. I'm like, oh, I gotta walk on it. Yeah. Oh, like, walk like, grass. Where are you going? Like I gotta go around. So the back of our, the, the backyard, the backyard of Someone's our. Of our company headquarters is like a big grass hill, and on the top of the hill is the parking lot where all the service vans are. And uh, 
my coworker Allie the other day. She's like, hey, we gotta go up and check out this van and blah blah blah. And I was like, okay. She's like, we just walk up the grass. And I was like, what? So we gotta walk up the no. what? I was like, is there stairs? You can't do She's that. like, yeah, they're all the way over there. You just go. And I, like, so walking <laughs> on the grass up the hill the whole time, I was like, <sighs> someone, this is wrong. <laughs> I'm sweating from my ears. I'm breathing Someone's heavily. Watching. It's not because I'm fat and I'm going uphill. It's because I'm fucking anxiety. <laughs> Like a first time yeah. Fletcher gonna come down and I'm like, hey, it broke. <laughs> yep. Then you're like, whoosh, there it is. Like knife hand. The, the knife hand. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, it's, shit, it, man. Yeah. It's an absolutely fucking good episode going right now. I uh, hate to cut it short, but I mean, it's it is up. getting a little late. Oh, shit. We're at a, we're running close to two hours. It's, it's nice when you. it feels so smooth, you know. <laughs> I told you, man. Oh, for you sure, because there's still some one. stuff I want to pick your brain about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got, let's do one pick more it. question. Pick it. Um, yeah. Or two more questions. I, I'm I'm wide awake. So you well you so you I mean you mentioned the it's transition. Up to you guys, whatever your bandwidth is. Taking all the classes. Um, did we cover? Um, I was I was kind of talking about the drinking part, and then I didn't really say how I fixed it or how I'm learning how to adjust. It's oh, more yeah. or less like, so yeah. If you can avoid hitting the bottle when you go out, please avoid hitting the bottle because that shit will flow. Especially if you have it in your like DNA, and if you've been if you only know one way to do it since you you know and you learn from Sergeant whoever the fuck, you know. Uh, I would I would highly recommend doing everything you can within your power to use another outlet to uh what's your outlet out with to, to to express yourself or to burn off you know steam like so now I just started going back to the gym a couple of weeks ago um and my outlet honestly I had to make some serious life changes uh a couple times it didn't all just happen like one time where you're like oh this is what's wrong with me like there's a bunch of different self-awareness moments like one of them was talking with my brother-in-law at Thanksgiving this past year. You know, he actually used the words like, sometimes you just, you both need to make some life changes. And it's like, bet. So that's when the gym came back into the factor. And it's like, all right, we're not going to touch liquor anymore. We're just going to stick to like seltzers or, or, or a beer or something of that nature. Uh, let's try and instead of, because my biggest thing is my anxiety. So I have such a high functioning anxiety that I don't stop thinking. Like, I will constantly worry. And my energy level doesn't go anywhere. My adrenaline level doesn't go anywhere. So sleeping is, like, next to nothing. Doesn't work. Doesn't happen. So I'm over here just popping melatonin like it's freaking Starburst or Skittles. Trying to OD on that stuff, which is impossible. Just to knock myself out. But all it takes is, like, the high anxiety functioning of, like, did I do enough to make Jenna happy today? Did I? What about the kids? Am I have? Do I have parent guilt now? Like all that stuff gets affected by the high functioning anxiety, the PTSD, whatever else. So, I had to make life changes, and some of those life changes were put the controller down, stop, stop looking at the clock like it's you only have because I look at it the same mentality as I did when I was stateside, which is okay. I'm stateside now, but I only got two weeks mm. till I gotta go to the field for two more months. You know, so in those two weeks, I'm going to party my ass off. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to drink. I'm going to play video games with my bros. We're going to go out to eat. I'm going to take Jenna out. We're going to do this. We're going to have, you know, all of the 
extracurricular activities that couples participate in. We're going to do all that stuff. We're going to have a blast for two weeks. And then, boom, zitch, quit cold turkey for two months. And then, so you're used to living this fast-paced life of just like, you know, drink it, hit it, smoke it, party, whatever, because you know you're not going to be able to do it for fucking months at a time or a year or whatever else. So you go hard in the paint all the time. Well, I get out and I can't get that mentality out of my way. It's like, dude, you're not going anywhere. Like, you're home permanently right. now. Why are you feel it's necessary to pound 12 seltzers on a Monday night? Yeah. Just because you had a couple extra phone calls during the day. Like, chill the fuck out. And so try, try, looking in the mirror and trying to have that factor, you know, and try and, you know, like you said before, it's not, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You got to realize too, it's like, dude, you just got out of the military. You're lucky that you're making this much money a year, da, 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 like, but it's a grind just like anything else. You got to earn that extra money. You got to earn that relaxation money, that money where I can actually look at my wife and go, I don't really want to fucking cook anything. Let's go to Mexico. Let's go get Mexican tonight. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then she, for the first time is not worried about being able to afford it. You know what I mean? Like that's a stress relief. You know what I mean? But trying to make all those life changes, like forcing yourself, I know it sounds bad cause it's your family, but forcing yourself, like I need to set time apart and expectations for myself to spend time with my children, to spend time with my spouse, regardless of what trials and tribulations and problems that we're having, you no. got to force yourself to do those things. Is the answer always going to be what you want to hear? No. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's, you have to give a, you have to meet somebody halfway, have a valiant effort, do something. Because at the end of the day, if you didn't try anything and you just kept bitching and complaining and drinking and fucking do you're just going to dude, you're just killing yourself. You're going to die. You know what I mean? Like it got to the point for me where I was drinking so much that I was, I would wake up the next day and I, uh, would just like, you could completely tell that I was just completely hungover. It was just like thrown up in the car on the drive to work, like all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, and then you just reeking of alcohol, you show up to work and then all of a sudden you're just like, Oh, there's that veteran, you know, yeah, there's that right. guy. So I like, yeah. no one ever, no one ever said anything. Like for some reason I usually bounce back pretty quickly. It's not an excuse to keep doing it, but right. <clears throat> it just, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it just it becomes extremely unhealthy and your lungs hurt, your fucking stomach hurts, your digestive systems all ass backwards. Like, and before you know it, like, because it, it's just constant routine and cycle. Yeah. Moral of stories is I understand that you want to, and I get it, but don't, because if you can't turn that shit off, that it, it could get it's really, really bad really quick. I, I drank like a fucking maniac in the army for 13 years, four months, 10 days, but all 13 years, four months, 10 days, I also had intermittent fasting from alcohol because I was going on a deployment or I was going to the field or I was going. Now it's like, no, dude, this is nonstop 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, when's the last time that you had a, didn't have a drink? Like, over a year ago. It's like, you've drank every day for 365 days plus? Like, yeah. I could say yeah. that that happened to me at one point in my life. And it's like, what the fuck, over? Like, that's not good. No matter how you dissect it, it's not a good thing. I remember the first time, like, I was, I came back, I think it was the second deployment where, like, they're, you know, they ask you, like, you know, how much, how much you drink or how much you normally drink or whatever, you know, like those, yeah. those post-deployment questionnaires or all that checklist shit, you know, they're like, oh, what's the most you've ever had in one sitting? And I was like, I had 30 beers one night, you know, I'll fucking try to be funny <laughs> about it. And he's like, dude, that's, 
it's like a real problem. <laughs> like you yeah. got a problem. And I'm like, well, you know, I partied and this yeah. and it was, it was specific. And, and now, you know, now, you know, I go to the VA and get my yearly checkup and he's like, you know, alcohol. And I'm like, have I had like three beers this year? <laughs> like, it's just, dude, it makes me feel yeah. like I'm 10 years younger than everybody else because I just don't drink alcohol. You should There's see. One thing that really, really, really helped me. Yeah. You should see uh, my face whenever I'm reading that freaking, I'll be reading the little questionnaire when you go to the doctors and it's like, how many drinks do you have a week? And you're looking for the option where it says like over 100, 100 plus. <laughs> And you're looking for it, and it's just like, if you have more than five in a week, something's wrong. I'm like, okay. Next thing you know, like an, alco- an alcohol counselor just sits down next to you like, so, I noticed you were taking a little too long to answer that question right. about the alcohol. Like, the, other one, oh. the other one that got me, though this one was actually legitimately scary. The other one that got me was we started, because, you know, obviously in the military, it's like you, you sign up, here's your health insurance, and you don't ever fucking talk about it ever again. Now I'm doing like the annual, like filing for my medical insurance and all that other shit at, through my work and da 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 or open enrollment or whatever the fuck they call it, and like you're doing that whole thing, and so you have to go get a physical, so that you can get certain parts of your like money taken off or whatever, a certain percentage taken off of your monthly bill for medical, and uh, so I go and get my blood drawn. And the dude calls me up and like they mailed me my results. They're like, look, dude, your cholesterol and everything like that is great. But you see this little area right here in your blood where it says high? I'm like, it's like these two enzymes? I'm like, yeah, like this is indicating that there's damage in your liver and or heart and or kidneys. And I was just like, Alcohol. yeah, way too. So <laughs> that that put the fear of God in me. I was like, I'm not, I don't want this fucking, like I had just had, um, like around the time that I figured that out or found that out was around the same time that Kyle's father my buddy Kyle, his father was passing away and there was like liver failure and all this other stuff. And Kyle would, would share stories about, you know, what he was doing, dealing with growing up. And it, again, another example of fear of God put it in me. But then when you like all those moments, and this is when you realize that you have a fucking serious problem and you need to talk to somebody is when you have all of those moments oh, yeah. run together and you still fucking go for that beer. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's when you have that moment and you're just like, and you put it down. Yeah, yeah, that's dude. There's, that's true fucking victory right there. Like that putting it down. After yeah, you'd like like well, and like getting a snag uh, on it. Like, like normally, yeah, I should. Like normally, I would. It's fucking twelve eighteen in the morning. Normally, I would fucking be pounding <laughs> like a twelve pack right now. Like I could easily, no normally problem. I'd be asleep. Right. Now I'm a night owl and I didn't take any melatonin. <laughs> so, uh, but like normally I'd be fucking hammered right now, you know, like, or I could be, but it's like now that you got a grip on it, you got a handle on it or whatever else, it's like, I'm good. I'm enjoying a conversation with these guys. I got one next to me, but it's the same one I opened up fucking an hour and a half ago. Right. So. Just been sitting there looking at you like, you remember me? Yeah, <laughs> I'm over here like, yeah. Oh yeah, I got my propel here too, so it's like. <laughs> but I took the labels off because nobody's paying. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What's up, propel? Hit up your boy. 
<laughs> no, but we talked too not... much shit on Grunt Style tonight to get that fucking advertisement. Yeah, that was that first time the Marine first time, whatever. He gonna Gunny, whatever. He gonna come after us. Yeah. Next it, question. Dude. Fire. I think I, I definitely want to. I mean, um, I definitely want to have Barton on again, and then you, because um, there's uh, there's some there's some stuff I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. that I know is going to take another two hours. Um, and like I don't mean it in a bad way, but like there's 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 one specific topic I want to talk about. Um, that I know. Yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. I, can, I, can, I, I know exactly midnight, what you're talking about. I can go down that rabbit I'll, hole. Yeah, if, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can I guess? Yeah. So like, Veteran suicide awareness. Yeah. That was kind of, that was really something I wanted to get into tonight, too. Yeah. No, I think it was more or less like that's why I kept saying like, do I need well, to tell this story? Like, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to put out like a four-hour episode because no one's going to listen to a four-hour episode. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, so it's like, I do for Joe Rogan. We're not... Name drop. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Joe Rogan Experience. Shout out Real Ones Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hashtag yeah, two bears, I mean, one like, cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's up, Bert Kreischer? Let's go frolic together. Jeez. Shout out Dynamic Disc. Shout out Nova Disc Golf. Yeah. Shout out Dismania. You know what you sound like? You know what you sound like? You're, you're at uh, Coyotes and motherfucker or Foxy's and fucking Port Bliss right now. Next up on the stage is Safa. <laughs> but yeah, dude, actually, I don't. Uh, hang on. Let's. Uh, you know what? Let's wrap this episode up real quick. Take a fiber and then uh, start recording again, dude. And then we'll just have a little something about uh, veteran aware, veteran suicide awareness. I can kind of put in with an episode that we had. Okay. Um. So this is kind of kind of going to be its own live uncut version of Turret Talks, and then we're going to bring you back right away and then start recording just on Edit. veteran chat project. <laughs> so just give you some more shit to uh, kind of edit together. Yeah. I, I gotta learn it. I gotta learn it somehow. So, uh, so I guess we'll just go ahead and. St- get the get the jiggy with it. And appreciate you coming by, man. And uh, I'll try to get this thing online tonight. Yeah, dude. Thanks for doing what you guys are doing. This is awesome. Yeah, dude. We'll have you on again real soon, as in like five minutes from now. This is my this is my, this is my stripper pole entrance song right here. Uh. <laughs> I think that's going to be more of this one here. <laughs> All right. All right, man. I'll Got see you it. guys in a second. Oh, shit. I think huh? so. Dude, that was horrible. No, I was kidding. What do you think? <laughs> what? No, I was kidding, dude. I hit, <laughs> he said, what? I had the wrong damn button. <laughs>